Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. If you haven't yet, please go follow them on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on all upcoming news. Also, January 29th, Warn, the Human Work LP pre-orders go live, and they'll also be premiering a new song that day. So I hope you guys are ready for that. It's going to be an awesome day. Also, still a ton of cool things coming down the pipeline. Still waiting for that payback discography CD. That's going to be super sick. I can't wait to put that in my car. MH Chaos coming out of Chicago. They're working on recording their next LP, which I'm super stoked about. Shout out to Chicago Hardcore. Striker coming out with their first EP, which will be sick. And like I always say, if you're not familiar, go boot up Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you use to listen to music. But please go search out their demo and get into that band because they're super awesome. Also, shout out to New Jersey Hardcore, Shackled, waiting on that new record. And I definitely can't wait to check it out. So please, like I always say, support from within records because they support us. Also, we have another sponsor on today's episode. Shout out to There's a Difference fanzine coming out of Savannah, Georgia. Issue five drops next weekend. So please go follow them on Instagram. Go to the Big Cartel. Go pick up a poster, which was designed by my good buddy Evan and his homie Zach. So please support them. They're such an awesome zine. They just had their new logo uh, revealed. It was designed by a good friend of the podcast, a really great guy, uh, Tyler Mullen of Year of the Knife fame. Such an awesome dude. I love that he's staying busy and still putting out awesome artwork. So shout out to Tyler. But please, like I say, go support. Uh, there's a difference fanzine. They're doing awesome things coming out of Savannah, Georgia. They're grinding pretty hard, and I support everything that they do. So go follow them. I'll drop a link in the description. So do yourself a favor and get on the train before it's too late. On today's episode, we travel to Atlanta, Georgia. We track down my good buddy, Luke Cave. He sings for a band called First Day Out. At the beginning of the year, they dropped a new single titled Ten Toes Down, coming off of their upcoming LP, which will be released later this year. Looking forward to that. Such an awesome, in-your-face, hardcore band coming out of Atlanta, Georgia. So please, if you're not familiar, boot up your Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, and go seek out First Day Out, super awesome hardcore band. Luke was such a pleasure to talk to. We share so many common interests, and it was a blast to talk to him. And I seriously hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did, because Luke will be back. He's going to join and do the MMA series at some point. But strap in, enjoy this episode, and without further ado, welcome Luke Cave to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Luke. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. It's uh, just just another day. I'm, I'm stoked that that we're here. I was listening to your band uh, first day out, and I, I was listening to the demo, and I, I was just you know just kind of just analyzing songs, just trying to soak it all in. And there was guest vocals on one of the tracks, and I was like, why does that guy sound so familiar? And I had a text my buddy came in i'm like yo did you sing on this demo 
and he got back to me and was like, yeah, like that was me. And I was totally tripping out because uh, obviously you guys are from the same state, but I didn't really know there was a relationship there between you guys. So my mind's just like being completely blown because before the podcast, before we even talked about having you on, uh, you and I were, were just like complete strangers. But now after talking to you and finding out that like you have these connections to my actual friends, it, it's definitely a trip. And uh, also reminds me that hardcore is like a super small uh, sub genre, even though, uh, it seems so big, but it's just like, dude, like everybody knows everybody. It's insane. Yeah, absolutely. I actually don't even know how I met Cam in because I met him before I moved to Georgia. I'm from Arkansas. And uh, and like I went to back to school jam in 2015 and met him for the first time. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know how we had that link up, but yeah, no, good dude. That's awesome. Oh, cool. I'm curious because like, I did not know you You weren't from Georgia. So you're from Arkansas. How'd you, or like, yeah. what, what was your time like in Arkansas? Did, did you find out about hardcore while you're living out there? Well, yeah. So like I'm 29. Uh, I started going to shows around like 14 or uh, like 13 or 14 years mm-hmm. old. Uh, and really I went to high school in the suburbs of Dallas, actually, like Texas. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've got a really weird like backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I started going to like basically bigger, like metal core shows at the door in Dallas, um, and deep Ellum. And then, uh, like the day I graduated high school, I, or, well, I didn't graduate high school. I dropped out. Uh, but like the day I was supposed to graduate high school, mm-hmm. I, uh, I moved to Arkansas, like back to where I was originally from. And, uh, yeah, I started going to shows there around that time. There was a, a power violence crossover band named jungle juice that was really popping. Now a lot of the members are in a band named terminal nation. Mm-hmm. Um, they were super cool. Uh, got me really into a lot of the stuff I like now. That's awesome. And jungle juice. I remember I had a bunch of friends that were super into that band and I haven't even thought about them until you just brought them up. That's insane. Love jungle juice. When you moved when you moved back to Arkansas, was it something that you wanted to do to get involved in the scene and find out what was going on, like with the local bands, or did it all just happen by chance by you just like meeting up with old friends? No, no. So uh, I, I moved to Texas when I was a little kid. I didn't really have any friends there. Okay. Um, yeah, no. It was just it was just strictly like you know I, I loved live music. I wanted to go to shows. Um, I had nothing going on. <laughs> So I just started uh, going to those shows and, and Jungle Juice was like the first show. I believe it was like, had to be like 09, maybe, maybe 08. Um, Jungle Juice played with a band from California named All Teeth. I think they're from California. Um, and like that was the, the first real hardcore show I feel like I ever went to other than maybe like seeing Hatebreed as a kid or something at like a random metal gig. I think Hatebreed still counts. Hatebreed's fucking awesome. Yeah. No, best band. Yeah. Oh, and Throwdown. I I went I've seen Throwdown when I was younger too. Oh, that's that's fucking awesome. Because that's a band yeah. that I will always love. And I still dream about like the day that I can see them again. Cause thinking about the last show that, that I went to, saw them at Chain Reaction and uh you know, going into it I didn't realize that that was gonna be it for maybe ever so it's it's yeah it's, it's definitely such a bummer and I, I really hope that at some point we can get at least one but just give me one more throwdown show and then i'll be okay I'll, I'll i'll just accept okay fine like you know they've all 
you know, I got a lot of things going on. Everybody can do the band, not even part-time, but if we can just do one more show, that's all I ask. Cause uh, Dave's local, you know, still likes hardcore, had him on the podcast a couple of years ago. I would love to have him back on again. It was, ah, God, it's just for that band to be from here and just what they represent and just straight edge. It's just like, seriously, overall, I, I just love everything that that band stands for. And just even hey. the music, dude, the music, even the music still holds up to this day. You, you pick any album from their discography and it still holds up, man. Dude, Throwdown pumps me up so much. Like, I don't want to say more than any straight edge band ever, but definitely like top tier for sure. Um, I, I got really upset because like right before I moved to Georgia, I guess foundation played like a, uh, uh, a cover set, like, you know, Halloween shows, okay. a lot of bands will do cover sets and mm-hmm. stuff. They did a throwdown cover set and I'm, I'm super bummed. I missed that. Yeah. Uh, they had but, oh, well, point, of, point of contact cover throwdown at FYA last year. So that was cool. Yeah, but uh, real quick on that foundation show, they they had um, Throwdown um, rip merch. I, I don't know if you saw that. They just took some old like Throwdown designs and just incorporated uh, like foundation stuff in it. It was like seriously some of the coolest stuff I've seen because I'm such a big Throwdown fan. So anytime that anybody brings up that band, I, I just get super stoked because it's or I feel like they're not talked about a lot, but obviously that's fair because they're they have been active. It's been a while since they put out like a record, and there's so much other hardcore going on. So I can understand, but for the kids who know and love hard, like you know or, yeah. excuse me, for the kids who know and love throwdown and that's still like bring them up it, it, it's so cool to me just because um i'm so proud of orange county hardcore and especially orange county straight edge so it, it always uh, gets me stoked when anybody ever brings them up absolutely no i agree that they're slept on though because like i uh one of my old bands we used to cover a hate breed song we used to cover last breath by hate breed and i really wanted to do a throwdown cover and it was kind of a band of younger kids and mm-hmm. me and they were like, uh, yeah, I listen to that song and it just sounds like a great value hate breed to me. And I was like, wow, like, dude, <laughs> that's so funny. And uh, notice, notice I'm not in that band anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. Um, it's, it's always interesting when uh, bands cover other well, like yeah, do cover songs. I, I feel like there's so many untapped songs that can be covered. That would be so fucking awesome live. Um, and I, I just am curious, like, why do bands tend to? And I get it; it's like they, they lean towards like the more popular stuff because it's uh, obviously easier to recognize. Because it, it is weird when a, a band does a cover and nobody reacts, and you're kind of like, "Damn, that one!" Yeah. Either like the song was awesome, it just missed the crowd, or like you know, I, I I've seen there, I, I've been in rooms where bands covered Integrity, and like dudes are wearing Integrity merch and just standing around, and I'm like, I don't even know if these guys know oh, yeah. that this is an Integrity cover. This is this is so weird. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, I saw, um, who was it? Malfunction, maybe? I think they covered uh, a Buried Alive song. I want to say it was like Kiss of Death mm-hmm. um, by Buried Alive. And um, I literally saw someone there with a Buried Alive shirt, like not react at all. <laughs> I was like, well, that's weird, but okay. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like, that's just them kind of exposing themselves because if you, you're going to go out of your way to get a merch from an old band and somebody's covering that song and that song obviously doesn't get played live that often i you have to lose your mind you have to show love yeah that's weird. of course uh i mean you could you could just miss tracks on the discography you know it, it, i guess that happens like my favorite buried alive song is six months face 
And if, if I was in a band that covered six month face, I, I could see some people not vibing with just cause it's at the tail end of the record. You know? Yeah. It's like a deep cut. People don't really might not make it that far into the record. Might not yeah. resonate with them. I remember I was like sound and fury 2012. Uh, I think that was, it was either 2012 or 2011. I can't remember off the top of my head. No, it was definitely 2011. Cause I didn't go to 2012, 2011, uh, focus minds, uh, Milwaukee Straight Edge, if you guys remember that band, they covered Righteous Jams, and that's that's a band that I would love to see live. They covered Iron Mind, and as soon as like the song started, I was like, "Oh shit, this is this is an awesome cover!" And I just lost my mind. I almost broke my arm. I like ran on stage and like jumped off and did like a front flip as high as I could, and everybody moved. And at that venue, it was just concrete, so I I landed on like my arm, like kind of weird, and my arm was just like like super like tingly and buzzing because I, I i hit it like super fucking hard i was like all right i'm done i had to go sit down for like half the day because i i could have sworn like my arm was like totally messed up and i was scared that it was like fractured or broken but luckily it was fine i, I didn't go to the hospital but it just kind of like that one friend flip like ruined like half my day it kind of sucked yeah i i feel i almost feel bad when like a band does a cover and i go 10 times harder for the cover than i go for the set but it's just like the surprise of it you know it's like you're not expecting it and then it hits and you're like oh shit and it's time to go you know uh i don't know and but for me it's also fun too to see uh people who i wouldn't even expect to be into a song but to see them go off recover i'm like oh shit people actually like this song which is like really cool because I don't know everybody's tasty music, but to see kids go off to songs that I love that I just wouldn't have expected is always fun for me. Yeah, absolutely. But going back to your band first day out, can you talk about what you do in the band and how it all came together? Yeah. So I do vocals in first day out. Um, uh, this is, uh, kind of like my third ongoing project right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also in a melodic hardcore band named satisfied. And I play guitar and do vocals in a power violence uh, crossover band named Taper Fade. Um, but as far as First Day Out goes, it's it's so far different than those other two bands, even though I write the lyrics and do vocals in all of them, uh, because this is the band that I really get to kind of express more of my, uh, uh, I guess, like cockiness, like kind of my uh, aggression, um, kind of different parts of my personality mm-hmm. yeah and and it's something i'm really stoked on uh our guitarist jordan who's also in uh, strangle you he uh he hit me randomly one day with uh, the instrumentals for the demo like the three songs for the demo and um they were for another project he had in mind but i'm like overzealous and like uh kind of extreme sometimes so like I heard them and then like two hours later, I sent him back all three songs with like my vocals on them. And then he was like, Oh, all right. So guess we're doing this then. <laughs> so, so that's kind of how the band started. So then we, we uh, prettied up the recording a little bit, um, showed it to our friend group. They all liked it. And that's how we got the rest of the members. Um, and yeah, that's what it is. And now me and Jordan kind of write everything together and then bring everybody else in wow so you're just like super assertive you're like you heard the tracks and you knew that this was something you wanted to be a part of so (laughs) and 
at any point do terrible you think, move by me <laughs> dude i've never heard of anybody doing that so that's pretty insane but you know good on you for for uh, you know taking action and uh, getting those vocals recorded but at any point did you like have any doubt like what if you didn't like it like what were you gonna do no, you just gonna scrap everything? Dude, the, the recording i did for it was like so me and my uh friend wayne who's uh also one of the guitarists in first day out and he also plays in actually both my other bands um <laughs> we had the storage unit that we used for like jamming and practicing mm-hmm. horrible acoustics uh, and and we had like not even condenser mics. We have like dynamic microphones in there. And that's what I recorded with, like off of my cell phone. Like, cause it was just in a rush and I didn't have, like, I just had the ideas like so far in my head already. And I was like, I don't want to forget this. I'm already at the unit. I'm just going to go ahead and do this right now. So I wrote the lyrics, recorded the vocals with my cell phone and like terrible quality. And then, uh, luckily he liked it <laughs> yeah that's an insane move uh but from getting the tracks and you doing your vocals and sending it over uh how long was that process till you guys actually had the whole demo fleshed out to where you would uh, or to where it was final to where you guys wanted to um, you know put it out there i think it was so the instrumentals were already good obviously i think the next week we actually recorded vocals and then it was and then i hit up um tyler mullen from year of the knife uh, cause I really like his artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit him up for the demo art and he was about it. Uh, and he crushed it. And, um, yeah, I think, I think we just dropped it in like the next few weeks. That's awesome. And I, I know you just mentioned that, uh, you like Tyler's art, but, uh, what stood out to, um, you know, from his, from his stuff that you wanted to choose him to design the demo cover. So I feel like that's a, you know, obviously I feel like a pretty important move for like a, a new band coming out. Obviously you want, uh, you know, artwork to stand out, to get people's attention. Cause, uh, you could have easily gone with just plain text and just kept it simple. But for you to go that extra step and actually want real artwork, uh, you know, it's definitely like a bold move. So I was, I was curious what stood out about Tyler stuff that made you want to go with him. So, so one, I'm just not like a half-assed kind of guy. Like, like I, I don't really like just throwing shit out there. Sometimes I get overzealous and do it. But um, I, I really, when I first heard the demo complete, I was like, man, this is so cool. And it's just like no bullshit hardcore. And I love it. And I really want that like old school uh, NYHC kind of hardcore style. Because I feel like it feels like that even though we're from Georgia. Um and then, you know, I was, I was going on to his page and, uh, he just does a lot of detail that, uh, I don't see a lot of other people do like, like I've gotten artwork from a bunch of people. Um, and in that style, I feel like he's probably the most detail oriented of people that I've messed with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so he just, so, you know, and he was responsive to messages like right away. Um, Oh, and actually what it is, is he did the Fool's Game demo art. Fool's Game from Pennsylvania. He did their demo art. I saw that and I was like, I was like, man, that looks dope. <laughs> I want the same thing. <laughs> so so I hit him up or I think I had Fool's Game's vocalist put me in contact with him. And, okay. then, and then I hit him up. Now I'm curious with the, the demo cover, it's blue. Well, why'd you guys choose to go with that color? Because uh, on your band camp, like the, you know, your guys' profile picture or whatever, it's the demo cover, but, um, well, it's, it's almost the demo cover, but like white. 
Yeah, that's just the logo. Um, so to be specific, we got the logo and the demo art from from Tyler mm-hmm. on that. And uh, so I really like the way he did the logo uh, with the demo art, like built around it. I thought that was like perfect. Um, but yeah, for the blue, we just thought it looked good. <laughs> uh, I mean, usually those artworks typically are just white background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and our single artwork mm-hmm. is like that uh, from John Mayo. Um, and I love that, but for some reason we were, we were just really feeling the blue. Okay. I, I just wasn't sure if there was like some like significant meaning. Cause when I, when I look at that, I'm like, all right, maybe that blue means something. I'm, I, I always sit and like, try to, <laughs> I, I always overanalyze stuff. So that's why I love um, having people on the podcast. So I can ask these questions to see if there is a deeper meaning, or maybe it's just me wasting my time staring at this and trying to figure out what this blue means in this, uh, you know, uh, awesome artwork. No, we just thought it was cool. And uh, I didn't tell him, I don't think, that we were going to put a color over it before we dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he doesn't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. I'm sure he did. I've, I've talked to him since then, and he shared the demo a few yeah. times. So I, I think we're good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he, he, he seems pretty reasonable. Uh, great guy. But yeah, honestly, I, I have no idea how that stuff works. It's always, uh, you know, uh, obviously people... Uh, take pride in what they do and you don't want to disrespect it so um hopefully I, i'm well yeah I, i'm guessing he's not mad since you guys have talked and he, he shared it so he, he's probably into it yeah but I, I'm, I'm curious you mentioned that uh you shared it with your friend group and uh you know people were into it um how do you feel the reception was for the demo because last year 2020 strange year uh you guys decided to be one of those bands that put something out during the pandemic uh, so I'm curious, like from your guys' perspective, what was the feedback like from, uh, not only your local scene, but from stuff that you've seen on the internet? So the feedback, uh, in my opinion, was really good because I've never really had any bands. Like, like I said, my other bands are like a weird power violence slash beat down band and like a melodic hardcore band. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those are kind of niche. So yeah. un- unless you... T- unless you're really able to get out there and tour a lot, um, people aren't really checking for that. But this is just a straight up hardcore band. And uh, it, it was the first thing I've really ever dropped that did have an initial reaction. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I was uh, extremely excited about that. <laughs> um, my friend group really pushed it hard. Um, and, and yeah, uh, it's, it's awesome. I, I am curious because you mentioned uh, melodic hardcore, power violence, and thinking about those like subgenres of hardcore, there really hasn't been a time when like those two genres were like like super popular because uh, you you mentioned the R niche, but you think about every other type of hardcore has been like you know like super popular. You've seen like the biggest bands in hardcore play those styles, but when I think about like power violence, I can't even think about who's like the biggest band that came through playing that style. Recently, I guess Regional Justice Center and Spine. Shout out Spine. I Sp- Spine. I, I I always give respect to Spine because they're the whole reason. Shout out Antonio. Uh, they're the whole reason this podcast is going. I, I put all my eggs in one basket, and uh, because of Antonio, I decided to keep this whole thing going. And he's actually going to be on in I, th- I think like nice. like two weeks. He's a really good guy. He's always been good to me. So shout out to to Spine. Um, yeah, but it's just like. Regional Justice Center, um, super awesome. They're super active. Uh, I definitely like what uh, Ian and the whole crew, what, what they're doing. 
And for have them, you ever listened to Sex Prisoner? Uh, Sex Prisoner, no, not familiar. Man, I love that band. When I first discovered that band, I was like, I don't, I do not know how this is not the biggest band in the world. Okay. Like, I love that band. Uh, highly suggest you check them out. Okay, I'll, I, I'm open to suggestions, so I will definitely look them up. Sex Prisoner. That name sounds so intense, but I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Yeah. they're from Arizona. Okay. I um, and okay. W- w- when it comes to melodic hardcore, I love uh, you know. Did you ever listen to The Carrier? Yeah, of course, dude. That band was so so fucking sick. I've got a my taste in melodic hardcore. I know a lot of people hate is like the more sensational hardcore, like Verse and uh, Modern Life Is War, things like that. I, I love bands like that. Just bands that really make me feel like like we have to be dogpiling. Like there's no way every single line in this entire song is not a dogpile. I don't, I don't get it. Like it just sounds anthemic. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people hate that style, but for some reason it's just, it, that's what got me into hardcore was like verse half heart. I, th- I think about, about bands like defeater and like touche because those shows were always crazy because kids were always going off but but like in, in a different way not like you know not like face moshing or anything but everybody was just like screaming along and yeah. just it was always like a like crazy but different energy i remember i went to um i was at a hockey game so out here in anaheim there's the the honda center excuse me the honda center it's like a you know the big stadium and uh chain reaction that uh not too far apart so one night me and my buddy john shout out john we went to watch the ducks play uh, we were on the club level we had our own server it was a crazy night and just like the the energy from being at like a live sporting event was like super insane and we had um that going on and then right after we were going to jet to to chain reaction to catch uh touche because they were playing like some crazy like uh 30 song set that they'd never done before so we're like, we, we got to experience that so we go from this crazy hockey game to chain reaction but the the show was like I, maybe like started late or something because when we got there um we thought we were gonna get there right as touche started but we got there in the middle of uh julian baker set and i don't know if you ever listened to julian baker it's like the most like yeah. chill calm like music and i was like i felt like i was going crazy because i was standing there in this crowd it was like dead silent besides the music no energy and I was like looking around because like I was still like, you know, full of like adrenaline from like screaming at this crazy hockey game, seeing people like, you know, punching each other in the face and like scoring uh, these crazy goals. And I was like freaking out because I just had to stand there and like sit still. But I still had this crazy like adrenaline rush going. But then as soon as like Touche went on, boom, they played for like two hours. It was insane. And like it was just like an instant like, you know, flip from just being like this super calm chill and then it felt like kind of like right back boom like we it, it felt like we just even leave the hockey game we're just like in just a different environment it was so wild <laughs> that's that's great um yeah I, melodic hardcore has always had a special place in my heart when i first uh started hanging out with wayne the guitarist of first day out and uh, my other bands uh we started that band satisfied which is um, a melodic hardcore band Mm -hmm. and i was really trying to sound like verse like day one like i I was being that guy who was like we're gonna start this band and it's 100 percent for fans of verse uh it sounds nothing like verse okay nothing like it but that was that was what i had in my head at the start damn and are, are you guys still active to this day 
Yeah, we actually we actually just got we should have um, the final mixes for our new EP uh, in the next couple weeks, mm-hmm. um, which we're going to try to get pressed to seven inches uh, this week or this uh, year at some point. Um, cool stuff. Check it out if you want. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm down. I'm, I'm always into checking out new music because uh, for, for me, I've, I, I feel like I know what I like. But then, um, you know, I'll come across a band that I've never even heard of and just be like, holy shit, this is something like either uh, that I'm familiar with or something that's totally out of like, you know, my field house and I'm just into it. So like, I'm never, uh, never not down to, to check out new music. You know, I might luckily, luckily, um, coming from Arkansas, Uh like you had to, you had to scour the internet for new music at all times because there really wasn't much. We had, we had jungle juice. Uh-huh. And we had uh, uh, there was actually a melodic hardcore band named Take It Back. Uh, not sure if you've heard of them. They were on Face Down. Take It Back. Uh, no, I... late two thousands, early twenty tens. Good old Face Down Records. I they, <laughs> they had this golden era. Like I loved that record label at, at one point because they had bands like In Due Time, which like I, I think might be like one of my favorite Face Down bands. Like In Due Time, Point of Recognition, like No Innocent Victim. Uh, Symphony yep. Apparel, just like so many fucking awesome bands, and then I don't know what happened. They just started signing these weird ass like. And this is me being like probably like really judgmental and it's probably whatever, but fuck it. They started signing bands that just sucked ass, and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And then also, no, yeah, and also maybe I I was like a fraud too. I'm not sure because I was never like like a Christian going to to uh, church like worshiping God. I was just like okay these Christian, you know, this Christian sect of hardcore, they're just writing good music. Um, but I, I was like, I, I'm digging the the vibe, love the albums, but I wasn't, you know, like going to church and stuff like all the time. Like I, I would go as a kid, I could go to like youth group and stuff, but I wasn't like full fledged into religion. Um, I, I always had just too many questions, but, but I love that label. And then it just kind of f- like fizzled out. And I would still go to face like face on fest, um, even though it, like it, it was just like pretty whack and just not what I was into. Uh, the last one that I went to was when Seventh Star came out, and that was mm-hmm. that was just so much fun because that band was so that band still sick. That, I, I think their music still holds up too. Go listen to to everything, uh, but I, I just don't know what happened. And it, it always blows my mind like how could it, like a record label have so many awesome bands and then it just kind of fade away. Yeah, I think it was, I think for them, it was probably just oversaturation of that same tired sound after a while. They kept, I feel like every band they they were signing there towards the end kind of sounded the same personally. Uh, and it wasn't good, like, in my opinion, you know, yeah, music, no. music is subjective, of mm-hmm. course. And I totally get uh, that. Yeah, I, I felt like it went from like real hardcore to like this weird like metalcore and like just, just weird stuff that yeah. I just didn't even understand. And I was like, how is this? Like how did or who did they trick to get onto this label? Because it just didn't make any sense to me. But uh, yeah, I, I was not on board with it. Uh, the the artist is really cool. What's his name? Um, Dave Quiggle. Dave Quiggle. Amazing. Yeah, he's he's a hell of an artist. Yeah, he he does a lot uh, of stuff for uh, for Disney because I'm a huge uh, Disney yeah. fan. So uh, we'll see his prints and stuff um, in downtown Disney and inside the parks, and it's always cool for for me and my friends because we're into hardcore and, and we know who he is and like what he um, what bands he's been in. So it's always fun to see like holy shit, like this is cool that um, even though like we're not really into face down or whatever, but it's cool that we're still able to see him do stuff that we actually still like. 
Yeah, absolutely. My wife and I have a couple of his prints in our house. We, we want to get tattooed by him eventually, but we'll see. Dude, we don't really like Neo trad on our bodies, but he's really good. So. Yeah, but to have a David Quiggle piece would be sick. Last I checked, because I, I have I've had some friends who've gotten tattooed by him, but um, at that point he wasn't like a full time tattoo artist, so I'm I'm not sure if that's changed because yeah. I've you know I I don't know him or I I don't keep up with him, but yeah but, same. But that would just be sick just to have a piece by him because yeah he's he's so talented when it comes to that art because you just look at some of the or just anything he's done for for any of those bands um, or for the label it's it's always been super sick. Sure. But. Was it so? You mentioned uh, you guys would have to scour the internet for bands back then. Uh, what was the vibe like when it came to the actual scene? Were you guys getting a lot of shows, or were those just like few and far between? I feel like every show we got back in the time that I was going to shows in Little Rock, which I left in like 2012. Um, so like between like maybe 08, 2012 is when I was going to shows in Arkansas, and. Um, I feel like most of the shows we got were more of the uh, big metalcore shows, mm-hmm. like the Scream the Prayers and the the things like that. You know, um, as far as like smaller hardcore bills, they were few and far between. You know, I think we had a we had a big Shabalba show uh, not long after uh, Hasta la Muerte came out, I believe. Um, yeah, it was just few and far between. I think we had, I think we had rotting out there, maybe down presser, um, stuff like that. Down presser is like one of my few bands that I think has a perfect discography of like modern hardcore too. So that's pretty great for me. Yeah, it was always like an event when they played down here, just because we knew that we weren't going to get it that often. So whenever down presser played, people would go off. Yeah, I, I was super stoked. I hadn't seen them since 2013 or 2014 in like South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Uh, but I saw them this last, well, not this last year, but the year before last at This Is Hardcore. And uh, I was losing my mind. I love Down Presser so much. Yeah, great band. Uh, definitely, definitely love that they... They're still a band, and obviously they're in other bands doing stuff. But it's it's cool whenever they they make time and get on bills because it's just like I said, when people see that name on a flyer, people are like, "Holy shit, that's going to be like a crazy set." Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But so you living in um, you know Arkansas, where was the next biggest scene? Because like I'm assuming at some point you guys would uh, just have to travel to to get some shows since getting those middle core tours and stuff, not really coming through that often was like, you know, probably a pain. So, you know, for you guys to experience it, I'm sure you guys had to travel out to go to other scenes. Yeah. Uh, I would go to Dallas still, um, which is like a five hour drive from little rock. Um, Memphis is a couple hours away. Uh, take it back. The melodic hardcore band that I mentioned, uh, they played a lot in Missouri. Uh, so we'd go there a lot for shows. Um, yeah, you you pretty much had to travel. And how long were those drives? And was it like a a, a challenge to get people to to want to go that far to go to a show? Uh, it just depends. Like like uh, me, I was homeless and like couch surfing. So really, it was like I was tagging along with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So if anything, I was the hard one to get to be able to give. Um. Uh, but yeah, Dallas five hours, uh, Memphis just two, 
not not too bad there. I, I have to where I live in Georgia, I have to drive two hours to Atlanta. Everyone else in first day outs from Atlanta, but but I live like an hour and a half to two hours outside. Um so I'm I'm pretty used to that. Now I'm curious about uh couch surfing uh how did you end up in that situation because i assumed you just went back to arkansas and just had a stable situation no no so so i dropped out of high school right went back to arkansas got my ged like pretty much right away tried to go to college but my dad kicked me out because i didn't have a job uh while i was going to college so then i dropped out of college uh <laughs> and then um really uh, uh from there it was a lot of fault of my own you know just me uh not wanting to mature up, not wanting to do things. Uh, you know, like I had friends hook me up with jobs and, and honestly, you know, I, I screwed them, you know, cause, cause I would go to the job and uh, I just like couldn't keep it. You know, uh, I wouldn't show up to work or, you know, I'd have disciplinary issues or something like that. Uh, I didn't really mature until I was like probably 23 or 24. dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Cause having to go to a job because i i've been in the situation before where like i've had a job that i just absolutely hated and would just much rather do anything else and it was just sometimes like yeah maybe it's just not worth it to go to work like yeah like i'm not going to be making money it might be uh poor but that sounds way better than going and clocking in somewhere that i just am miserable because just having that feeling just hating your life before you even get to work but then hating it 10 times more while you're there is seriously just not a good feeling and especially it was just like, I would much rather do anything else. And yeah, even, even if it meant just not being able to have any money, I was like, I don't care. I, I'm just going to go. And, and luckily, like um, uh, when I was in the situations, I, I was still, um, you know, local to my family. So I was able to just go back to my parents' house and uh, they didn't care that I was uh, homeless or uh, unemployed. Uh, and they just let me stay with them. So that, that was nice. But it was just like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally know what it's like to be in that situation to just to hate a job because it's just like sometimes it's just not worth it. You just got to find something better because it's always, you know, yeah. there, there's options out there. Like, and I, I know it's hard to, to get jobs. Um, and I don't even know what it's like these days to get a job because I've had the same job forever. Um, uh, same. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's rough, but people just got to, you know, just got to find a way to make it work. But, but that's crazy. I'm, I'm glad you're able to, you know, make it out of there to, cause you know, I feel like couch different. You could have gone one or two ways, you know, and it seems like you've turned out pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. No, like I'm living good now, you know, <laughs> and it was kind of fortunate slash unfortunate for those couple of years. Cause I, you know, I had friends that were willing to help me out so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time that just, uh, created more laziness in me, you know, like I didn't, I didn't have to struggle for things if other people were going to help me out so much. So I was just kind of being a bum. Is is, I yeah. It's, it's a time in my life I really look back on and I hate. But um, the good thing is, you know, I always had hardcore and I always had straight edge, mm-hmm. uh, and that hasn't wavered. Yeah, that is uh, awesome to hear that. that you know, th- those things have been a constant in your life. I, I'm trying to think the people who like I think everybody that I started going to shows with who were straight edge uh, sold out. I'm trying to think from like the people that I started with. I think there might be one guy, but I don't even like talk to him anymore because I moved away and uh, I think he's still straight edge, but he doesn't even go to shows anymore. 
which is weird. Which is always weird to me. Uh, how can you? No, be, <laughs> no it, it is strange to me. Like for for people, because I, I I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I I had this roommate and he just lo- like identified with Straight Edge, like loved it, talked about it all the time, but he would not get off his ass and go to a show. And I'm talking about like yeah. we, we live in Orange County. There's shows everywhere. When you had 20 minute drive, that's all it is. Go to a show, but he just for whatever reason. Uh, I think it's maybe because he, he used to have beef with some people, whatever. Um, but I was like, you're going to let that stop you from going to a show just because, uh, you know, you got beat up one time and, uh, you know, whatever shit happens. But, yeah, it's stupid. but to, to love straight edge that much, but not go to a show that, that would just be so weird to me. Cause is that even straight edge? Somebody out there tell me, <laughs> is that weird? <laughs> that's, that's what, that's like something I've always like, call it gatekeeping, whatever. I, I don't really give a shit. Um, like, uh, one, one time this kid told me, like, he didn't know who Ian Mackay was. And I was like, okay, so oh, yeah. how are you going to claim straight edge, bro? <laughs> Ian Mackay. Maybe that's, uh, he's maybe a, that's gatekeeping, but. No, nah, he's a sellout. It's all right. Oh, yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it just kind of always sat weird with me because I was like, okay, you, you, you hold all these values, but you don't go to shows. Wouldn't that just be like, you're just. And I I don't You're like sober. I don't like the term like normie, but like isn't he just a normal person, just not a hardcore kid? Yeah, that's that's like people you know people you meet in the workforce and stuff. They'll they'll be like, oh yeah, I don't I don't smoke or drink either. You know, mm-hmm. I guess I'm straight edge too, and I'm they're not, bro. Yeah, like, <laughs> you you don't even know. Like, yeah, you wouldn't last. Get out of here. That's so weird. But that's always strange to me. Yeah, because like yeah, me too. there's no like you know criteria where like you have to go to shows or whatever but it was just so strange to me because he'd gone to shows but he just stopped like i said because there was like some issues but i'm like dude just figure it out and I, I and i'm i will guarantee those guys that he probably had beef with don't even go to shows either so it's just like why are you scared yeah like, like i said my favorite buried alive song is six months face mm-hmm. and i mean if you listen to the first day out demo you know you know that uh, I write about part-timers and sellouts. Um, the the LP is going to have a song that's an ode to Six Months Face, hopefully, um, that I'm really excited about. Uh, it's it's a it's a subject matter that I'm really into, and it, and it's for both hardcore and straight edge mm-hmm. uh, together. Um, I, I my friends that sell out break straight edge. You know, I don't really give a shit. If, they're doing what makes them happy. You know, I just kind of wish they would never claim, but what are you going to do? I have no idea. I, when I first started going to shows, like all the, the older dudes who got me in, um, who I'm still friends with to this day, you know, great dudes. They just kind of went, went down a different path and not like a, you know, not some crazy drug addict path. They just kind of went this other way where they didn't really want to be straight edge anymore. And it, it, it used to, like kill me because i was so confused because i'm like how like how are you because i felt like i was just left in the fucking dust because these guys who kind of helped shape me and they would like take me everywhere because i was a young kid i was like you know 15 14 uh, just getting into the, this whole uh you know underground community and to have some of these like to have like the closest people to me turn their backs on what we used to to preach like we used to beat up people um because like people used to make fun of us for being straight edge like it wasn't it was never cool where we lived uh to to be straight edge like you know kids would uh you know mock us on myspace and um it was like it was just the internet bullshit but then when we'd run into them we would you know we'd let them know like what's up and but then yeah. 
I remember it was like one guy like secretly sold out, which that was like the funniest thing. Um, cause like, uh, we just caught him at a party and we're like, this is so weird, whatever. But then once he kind of opened up and started drinking and um, smoking and all that, like, I guess like some of the older dudes felt more comfortable and realized that that's what they wanted to do as well. But for me, it was just like, I was like a lifer from day one. Cause it was just something, yeah. something that I just knew that I would never want to be a part of. Cause uh, I always hated smoking growing up. Uh, I just thought it was disgusting and just never, never had any interest. And yeah, that's, that's actually a big thing too. Like, I feel like, um, sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. You're um, fine. I, I think, uh, like people tell me like my wife, for example, my wife has now been straight edge for like two years. Okay. I think. Um, and, uh, she always tells me she thinks it's so amazing and she's so proud of me that I've been able to be straight edge my whole life. And I'm, I'm like, there's nothing to be proud of. Like, this is just who I am. Mm-hmm. Like I have no, no desire to partake in any substances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just not who I am. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like there, there are people who, obviously it's great that they're straight edge because maybe they did struggle with addiction at one point, but I'm not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. It's like, I've, I've never like once I decided to, to be straight edge, it was never like, Oh man, I, I think I, I want to drink. It's like, no, it's like, it's never been a thought. It's like, all right, cool. Like I, I, I turned it off because like I said, uh, even before I, I knew what straight edge was, I, I just always thought smoking was disgusting. I, you know, was around cigarettes as a kid and just never, thought it smelled good just thought it was disgusting and i'm not gonna lie uh, this is uh, probably gonna sound weird but um just like watching movies like you know fast times at like ridgemont high and stuff like that as a kid i always thought drinking was gonna be like my thing like i, I thought it was gonna be something that i was gonna uh, you know get into and, and that's how i was gonna find all my friends um, and this is me being a kid and um my brain being like warped from watching all these like weird movies as a kid and i remember i drank and I only drank once and it was uh, with this guy named Ryan Tazai. So he's out there somewhere. He's like, I think he became like a reporter or something, um, but he's the only person who can say that he drank with me, but we were at this party and we, uh, we drank and I started to feel like sick. And it, like, to me, it, it, it reminded me of what I felt like when I was I'm getting motion sickness. And I was like, dude, I was like, I, I, don't, I don't feel good. And he's like, no, that, that, that's a good thing that I, I, that means you're starting to get buzzed. And I was just like, Oh shit. And like, I started like, you know, I had like this realization. I'm like, wait, this is, this is what people feel like when they start to get drunk. I was like, I don't think this is what I want to do. So I I told him, I was like, dude, and I was like, I'm done. This is it. If this is how I'm, I'm how I'm supposed to feel, like, I don't want to do this. So I mean, and he was like a really nice guy about it. Cause he was like a, like, you know, for us being like freshmen in high school, he was like a professional drinker. Like he, he was known as like the party guy. So that's why mm-hmm. I, I, that's why I, I went to him. Cause he was like a, he was a friend of a friend. So like, I wasn't super close with him, but we were like hung out with like a, a lot of the same people. So, um, so as soon as I, I told him that he was like, all right, fuck this. Like, you're not drinking. Like, we're going to sober you up. And I remember he made me like, I think like three or four ham and cheese, hot pockets. And I ate those and sobered up and I just never drink again. It was like, it was just one time. And I was like, this is fucking gross. Yeah. For me, I, uh, uh, kind of a similar, not, not completely similar, but like a one drink. And then I was like, Nope, ever mm-hmm. again. I was a little kid and my grand, or I think it was my uncle. He had a beer on the table. I woke up at like 2 AM mm-hmm. one day and I'm like, I think it's a soda. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I go to take a, I go to take a drink and it was just the most putrid thing 
I've ever put into my mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then I turned on the light and saw that it was a beer. And I was like, yeah, never. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but I, I love hardcore, but for some reason when it's like straight edge hardcore, I'm like, damn, I think I like this a little more. A little extra motivation there. <laughs> yeah. But, and unfortunately I've never had a straight edge band. I've never, <laughs> I've never had like that, close-knit uh, group of straight-edge friends mm-hmm. uh I, I did like a solo project on my own that was pretty bad uh pretty terrible um but i actually i, I do have some ideas in, in my head for solo projects when i get back to the states dude i feel like with this day and age it wouldn't be that hard to recruit people from across the country or even the world to do something even if it's just yeah. to put out music, not even to actually do shows or anything, you know? Yeah, for sure. That, that's kind of my goal is like, if I make a, if I make a, de- a demo, that's just super fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody's going to want to play in it, you know? Yeah. It just I feel like takes, that's... takes a little, what's it? Oh, I was going to say, I feel like that's a, like the better route to go with. Cause I talked to my buddy, uh, I probably shouldn't say his name because he has stuff going on. Um, my bands, and I don't want his other bands to get upset, but he always talks to me like, dude, like I want to do like this kind of music and he's a talented dude. He can play the guitar, bass, he can sing, he can like sing, sing, and then also like scream, whatever. And I'm just like, dude, why don't you stop worrying about who's going to be in your band and just put something together yourself? Because I, I think he can do everything except for the drums. And I'm sure he has tons of friends who play drums, but I'm just like, why don't you just put something together and then put it out there and people will come. Like people, once they hear you actually being that serious about it to go out and record music and they hear it, they'll be way more attractive than you going up to them and be like, Hey, I want to start this kind of band. Like, are you down? And especially during these times where it's hard enough just to get people together safely to, to get a practice going. And you think about the time it takes to, to just get a track done, to write music and try to get the creative juices mm-hmm. flowing. So I'm just like, dude, just put something out and then try to recruit people that way. And then maybe going forward, you guys can all write together, get more solid, but it's just like, stop stressing about who's going to be in your band before you even have like, you know, actual like music down, you know? Yeah. Like uh, me, I feel like music is like to some degree, music is better when it's all written by one person too. Because uh, I mean, obviously uh, not wholly because in a lot of instances, you know, there's a lot of different influences coming into a conglomerate that can really make something great. Mm-hmm. But when one person has one idea for a project, I think it, it can be so good. Cause I, I personally am like a really big fan of kind of wild transitions, kind of like the way be all end all, uh, on triple B yeah, kind of does their like transitions and stuff kind of like Coke bust, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, like I'm really into transitions like that. And I just know that like, if I was, if I was practicing with a band, I don't know how they did it. They probably did do it as a band. But for me, if I was practicing with a band and I was sitting here trying to explain, no, the transition should go like this. Like, like they're going to look at me like I'm stupid. Like you are right now. Like, no, I, I'm thinking like, mate, no, dude, like maybe if you get the right people, you know, in the same room as you, they might be like, holy shit, this guy knows what he's talking about. Let's get it fucking going. You know, I feel like it's just all about <laughs> you just got to find the right people because they're out there because you got to think about yeah, um, just like hearing you just reference like 
you know, your range of different hardcore bands that you've brought up um, on this podcast. It's, it's awesome to hear that uh, you're not just into one style. Cause I feel like that's always weird to me when I talk to somebody who just likes one type of hardcore, I was like, God, I feel like you're just missing out on so much. No, I love it all. Yeah. And well, uh, not all of that. I hate new metal. New metal. Uh, well, I'm, I'm talking about just hardcore in general. Not, not that, that doesn't. Well, count. yeah, but there's a lot of hardcore bands who want to. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. These weird trends. It, it's always interesting to see what um, people try to push. And I'm like, okay, it, it's cool. Like it, no. it's, it, it's brave for people to take those chances. Cause obviously it, like, you know, the, the, the first people to have a crack at it always, you know, get scrutinized the worst, but then once people try to, you know, refine the sound and actually come out with something better, then they'll start getting the love. But it's only because that one band that, that took that chance that got to, you know, got shitted on because people didn't understand yeah. or, or just wasn't familiar, you know? No, nah, even if, even if you make music I hate, I still respect that you're doing it. Like I hate the new metal hardcore wave, but hey, people are loving it. People are going to shows. Yeah. Well, not now, but they were. I'll I'll give them a little respect because I can't play shit. <laughs> and that's just me being honest. I, I played keyboards in a pop punk band years ago, and I sang for like a hardcore band, and that's all I've ever done. So to pick up a guitar or, or get behind a a, a drum kit, respect. Yeah, for sure. So you you briefly mentioned um, you guys are doing an LP, which I'm really surprised about because you guys released a single on uh, New Year's Day, which was a pretty interesting move. Uh, And that song was only 34 seconds. So I'm really surprised to hear that you're going with a full length because I was expecting just an EP uh, because you look at the demo. The songs were barely over a minute. And this new single that you came out with, uh, Ten Toes Down, it's only like 34, 33 seconds. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, and that's intentional. Like, um, in all reality, uh, we live in an age where people have short attention spans, you know, uh, that, and is that know, true? If, if people don't, what's up? So, is that true? Because I, I think so for sure. Cause I, I think about like <laughs> but, this, uh, this morning I consumed a three hour podcast, which was like so much fun just cause hearing so many, um, like interesting takes, from two very interesting people. I was like, dude, this is, this is amazing. I want more like three hours to me. Didn't feel like it was enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certain, certain things, but when it comes to checking out something that you have no idea what you're going into, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it was, it was pretty good to be able to like, if I share it with somebody be like, yo, it's only 30 seconds. (laughs) It's only going to take 30 seconds of your day. Um, and I think, uh, so we premiered on no echo and they made sure to, uh, note that in the in the the track review i thought that was great like uh um i like short fast intense hardcore um i do think the yeah we're doing an lp because we already have seven songs written mm-hmm. um which did my airpods just go out nope i, I can still hear you okay uh, i just heard a sound all right sorry um so Oh, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, you're talking about the, the LP and why the songs are short? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we already have seven out of ten songs written. We're probably going with ten. And we want to have a good balance of those short 30 to 45-second bangers with uh, a few minute-and-a-half to two-minute-long songs. Uh, we are going to re-record two songs off the demo, Cruel World and Fake Love, for it, um, which I'm really excited about. And 
are you going to get Cayman to come back? That's the real question. I believe so. The thing is, we're also planning a uh, cover EP. Oh, wow. <laughs> so so we're doing we're doing everything DIY. Like like we write and then I record and mix and master us. Um, oh wow! Okay, because we we don't have yeah we don't have money like that. <laughs> That's all right. I, I think it might be better that way to do everything in house because no, it, I think it's it, I think it's gonna be great. Like I I recorded mix and mastered ten toes down, and I think that song sounds fat. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, although a little too much reverb on the vocals, gonna have to fix that before the LP. But uh, yeah, so so we're doing everything DIY. Uh, we're gonna record everything uh, while we're waiting on vinyl to get pressed because it takes a while. Um, we're going to try to drop a little three song cover EP. Um, two songs we're definitely going to cover are Ain't Like You by Blood for Blood. And then we haven't decided on the song officially, but we're going to cover a Coke bus song, which is kind of funny that we're going to cover a straight edge band and Blood for Blood. But, um, and then uh, I'm going to let Jordan, our guitarist, pick a third song. That's awesome. And that's going to like. And we're just going to put that out like right away to hold off until the LP. That, that's a awesome idea. The, the fact that you guys are able to not really have to worry about getting into like a, you know, book studio time and wait on people to mix and master your stuff. Uh, I, I, I think it kind of puts you guys at an awesome advantage to be able to kind of just do it on your own time. To, so yeah, for, for, sure. for you guys to just be able to go in there and do a uh, cover EP, which I think is super sick. Cause I'm a huge fan of blood for blood. I love that band so much. Like I, I, I saw them. Yeah. I, I've only seen them once, which bums me out. I, I saw them in 2013 and I know that uh, uh, they did like a special set after um, one of the, for the children's, but it was like uh, starting at like, I think like 2 AM out at some random place in LA. And I was like, dude, I was like, I can't go to see a band at 2 AM because I have to be at work at three and there's no way I'm going to go mosh and sing along to some band at two in the morning and try to scramble to get to work and maybe be injured or exhausted. So I was like, God, I was like, why would that have to start at two in the morning? I was so upset that it was starting at two in the morning. I just couldn't do it. But so I, I still think about how I, I saw them in 2013. Uh, I, I think it was 2013 or 2012. I can't remember. It's probably like one of those weird times, like right at the end of the year or something. But it was uh, Blood for Blood, Wisdom and Chains at the Glass House. And it was fucking awesome. That is sounds incredible. I saw Wisdom and Chains last year at Keystone Jam, and it was amazing. Okay, dude. Yeah, and I—that's the only time I've ever seen Wisdom and Chains. I was—I—I I, I just was talking about this with somebody, but that's the only time I've ever seen Wisdom and Chains. That band was—the band's still super sick. I look forward to whenever I see them again because I'm—I'm going to see them again. It's going to happen. Yeah. But I—why did you choose Blood for Blood? I, I'm really curious about why you chose that. Blood song. for Blood is uh, so. In my early years of hardcore, uh, kind of like after I got out of kind of sticking to melodic hardcore and started branching out, I would say Blood for Blood and Hatebreed were like my two favorite bands by long shot. Mm-hmm. So much so that Blood for Blood is the first hardcore band that I got like their logo tattooed on me. Um, oh, like wow. I got the Blood for Blood skull like big on my shin. Um, That's dedication. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love Blood for Blood, specifically Outlaw Anthem's Blood for Blood. I know a lot of people also love like Revenge on Society and, and other records, but Outlaw Anthems just that shit hit for me, especially like being like a, a guy who came up kind of, 
you know, in and out of the streets, like homeless and, yeah. you know, things like that. Uh, hearing uh, Rob talk about the things he talked about really meant a lot to me at that age. Um, so blood for blood's just always been my shit. But I, I do think I, I respect blood for blood to the point that I think I need to clear that it's okay for us to cover ain't like you on an EP before I actually officially say that. <laughs> I'll probably hit up Rob if I can get in contact with him. I don't see a problem with it, but yeah, I'm sure you can find him somewhere on the internet. Cause I know he does a podcast. Yeah, he does. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, that would be sick. <laughs> I love that band. I'm, I'm happy that I was able to see blood for blood and Ramallah. Right. Yeah. Ramallah's great. Yeah, no, growing up and like being like in my early days of hardcore and like getting a hold of the Boston Beatdown DVD and just seeing those bands there and, and just like dreaming of a day where I would, would be able to see them live and then, uh, you know, obviously s- stick around long enough. I was able to see them. Those bands are fucking awesome. Yeah, for sure. So I'm really happy that you guys are staying busy because uh, obviously you, you put out the demo last year uh and was there ever any thought of just skipping the whole year or was it um, important for you guys to just get something out since um you got those tracks sent to you and you had it in your mind that you wanted to be in this band dude i I love this shit so much there's no way i could wait (laughs) you know uh maybe the other guys could have especially with guys having things going on like we have members of living in fear strangle you um things like that but um as far as it goes, like really I kind of kicked it off because I wrote like the first three songs for the LP, like wrote and recorded scratch tracks by myself, um, sent them to our guitarist, Jordan. He uh, made them better <laughs> and, uh, and, and kind of got the ball rolling. And that was hell, maybe a month after we dropped our demo. Uh-huh. Um, like uh, I, I love it so much that I, I just can't see myself sitting you know, like, I'm not saying we'll, we'll drop it something every year, but, uh, I, I just love it, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm stoked on you for putting it out. Cause I, I, I sit on the fence. I don't know if it's right or wrong to release music last year. I've heard you know people's arguments for both sides. Um, I, I know people in, in bands who have records completely done, but they're just waiting for like a better yeah. time. To, to release it because I know there's people out there who want to be able to do stuff with it and well outside of um, dropping a record and then just doing a live stream I know people actually want to be able to play shows before they put anything new out which is fine like I don't like you know begrudge them for having that mindset but I, I'm, I'm always just curious um, you know why people do it or why they don't do it so I always just have to ask yeah so for me um, like obviously we would rather drop and play shows mm-hmm like no no doubt but um at the end of the day uh at least there's going to be the real hardcore kids who are still checking out music throughout the pandemic um and and is it smarter to wait sure but i don't don't really care about what's smarter like i care i care about what what i want to do you know and i want to drop music yeah i was on uh twitter i'm always on twitter but um there's people talking about how they've taken a break from hardcore during the pandemic and people were giving them shit for it. I hate it. <laughs> that's yeah, I'm, that's so weird to me. I'm like, what do you mean you're, you're taking a, taking a break from hardcore? Like what the hell? That's so weird to me. Especially like, 
like yeah some bands are taking off but there's been a lot of good music dropping dude drain like, dropped regardless. in 2020 think about that drain fucking santa yeah. cruz california fucking drain one of the one of the biggest bands out right now and, and they dropped yeah so many so many awesome like that i'm taking a break from hardcore fuck off don't take a break just don't come back that that's gonna be controversial but it it makes no sense what do you mean take a break it's not is it such a chore to listen to this music (laughs) that you claim that you love and this community that you're a part of it makes no sense to me take a break well they can't go to a show and match with people on tinder so what's the point of hardcore oh my god that is that is so weird yeah, I, and I don't, and maybe see, and I always feel like I have a skewed perspective because when I started going to hardcore shows, uh, it was for the music, for uh, meeting new friends, and it wasn't about uh, uh, being popular or trying to you know have sex with as many people as possible. I just wanted to just all I cared about was like I wanted to get through because this is me in high school because I, I got into hardcore when I was in high school. It was just like I got to get through six periods of class. My older friends were so nice enough to drive across town to wait for me outside of my high school to take me to Corona, to um, Orange County, wherever, to just to get to a show on time. And it's just like, that's all I cared about. I, I didn't care about anything else. Um, so it's just like yeah. now, it's just like, it, it, it is weird to me when um, people show up to shows. And it's not like it's anything new. These people have been around for forever and every um, you know iteration of hardcore, every generation. Uh, there's always people there just for the, I don't want to say the wrong reasons, but not for the for, for the right reasons to, to, to support the scene or to push this whole thing forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's no, it's no like disrespect to people who want to fucking get out there and, you know, get after it. But I don't know. It's just... I'm I'm there for the show personally. Yeah, like yeah. like legit hardcore is a part of my life, so this is something that I can't just take a break from. Yeah, I think there was a there was a band from Oklahoma named No Thanks, a straight edge band. They had this song called Here for the Show. Sorry, what I just said reminded me of that. Uh-huh. It's a really cool song. No, I, I'm down to check it out. There's so many bands that like obviously like I've missed. Like it's it's vol- I think I think you'll like No Thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm down. I'm gonna have to ask you to send me a list because I'm definitely gonna forget. But as as involved as I am, like I just miss things sometimes. So I'm for sure. And and I trust me, I try. I try my best to to whenever I see anybody post a link. Um, shout out my uh, good friend Keith Edge. He he actually tweeted. Uh, I think it was yesterday or today. He's like, keep tweeting those links because I save those, and when I have time, like I go through them all and listen to new music. And I'm like, yeah, that that's same here. I am always down to check out links people post because when I see stuff that I'm not familiar with, I'm like, oh, like my my curiosity peaks. I'm like, what is that? How come I've never heard of it? So I go and just do my research and try to see if I'm into it or not. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm thankful for all the zines that have been coming out. That's like a world that I'm still trying to figure out because I talk to people who do zines. And I'm because like when, when I think of a zine, I'm like, OK, like who like there is there like a database on like where I can go look to see w- what current zines are active? Is there like a release schedule? So I'm constantly just asking people like what's going on? Who's that zine? Like like what's their release schedule? Like where are they from? Yeah. So I feel um, like zines are so inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. <laughs> That's what I'm finding out. I'm like, well, what happened to that zine? Uh, or I'm like, I'm, or I'm asking like a friend of a friend, like, Hey, like, why doesn't so-and-so do another zine? Like where, where's the issue too? And people are just like, Oh, like they don't have time for it anymore. I'm just like, what? Like I was so invested, like 
waiting and you know i come to find out it's not happening I'm like, ah, whatever it's yeah it's, it's something i'm interesting uh but but it, it but it's something cool because I, I shout out to my friends like um shout out ethan uh he does um yep uh, oh i forget there is a difference yeah yeah I, I i forget that you know ethan um uh, great dude uh there is a difference fanzine uh super awesome he actually he actually did a write-up on tintos down uh recently oh okay so i'm guessing are, are you guys coming yeah. out in issue five um i i don't know i think he might ship it out with that i'm not sure how that's gonna work i'd have to ask him but mm-hmm. no it was just a quick little newsletter on his google drive oh yeah that's sick uh, shout, yeah. shout out Ethan, and then obviously uh, from Within Records. Uh, I'll never get tired of talking about yep. from Within Records. They put out their their first uh, you know fanzine, which I thought was super sick. Uh, shout out my buddy Alex Casey over there at Streets of Hate. I'm um, doing awesome stuff, and even Spine. If you're able to get a copy of, the, I think it was the red vinyl. It, it came with a, a zine that a- Antonio put together, which was super sick. Um, uh, and, and just to be clear, I, I I don't collect vinyl, so I didn't get a copy of the zine. So I actually hit him up and I was like, "Yo, can you send me like a PDF of the zine?" And he did. So shout out to fucking Antonio because I, I was um, I'm always down to check out people's like you know hard work because it takes effort to get that stuff together and to to organize and compile yeah. it. So it's just like if people are gonna go to that effort to do something to spread any kind of like awareness like for bands and uh, stuff going on in hardcore, like I I want to check it out. So shout out. I'm all about it. Yeah. And then now you have so many internet publications. You have like what it what it takes blog on on Instagram. They share. I think everything that drops, they they share um, from any band ever, um, which I think is dope. Then uh, you obviously like you have your No Echoes and things oh, like that. No Echo, shout out No Echo. They do uh, great stuff. They have a great team over there doing hard work and just putting out just awesome content. So I definitely love going to going to the website and just, uh, you know, reading what they have to say. Yeah. I can't believe the amazing write-up they gave us on my third, on our 34 second track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, obviously, uh, it, it's cool that they're able to recognize, uh, you know, some awesome hardcore from like a, uh, uh, I think it's hard to say a newer band coming out. Yeah. And it was awesome. And for them to give a, a, a platform, for, you know, for you guys, uh, like I said, a new year band coming out, it, it, it's awesome. Those, you know, sites like that are important. Just anybody just trying to spread awareness in a good way, I, I think is, is important, whether it be a website, even a tweet, because you would be surprised at how many bands that I would not have known if it wasn't for uh, one of my friends just simply retweeting or, or posting like, hey, go, go check this out. Yeah, no, that's that's huge. Um, uh, that's why I, anytime my friends drop anything, I'm I'm sharing it. I I will be honest. If I don't like it, I'm not sharing it. And that um, that's fair too. I I feel like that's the route that I go because people will ask me like, oh, like how come you don't talk shit on bands that suck? And I'm just like, that's not my like that's not what I want to do because I I could be that guy yeah. that sits here on the podcast and uh, spends an hour talking about why I, I hate all these bands, but I'm just like, ah, eh, that's not how I want to spend my time. That's not, and that's not what I, what I want to do. I don't want to project my distaste, uh, uh, you know, and try to sway people to not like the band just because I don't like them. It's like, like what you like. It doesn't matter because we're not all going to like the same things. Yeah. Yeah. want to spend more time, uh, 
talking about bands that I love and that I think are awesome that have potential that could potentially, you know, continue to grow as a band and be the band to keep the scene alive versus these bands that I think suck that aren't just going to make it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, for real quick for a second, you have an MMA podcast, correct? I guess it's like it's on the same feed as the Jamie K podcast. So anybody who's subscribed to yeah. the Jamie K podcast, um, the MMA episodes will pop up in their feed just like normal. And shout out to everybody who listens because I don't like go out of my way to promote it like crazy. Like I'll record the episodes. Shout out to my great co-hosts, uh, Nate Miller, like one of my best friends and Jeff Yuma, who plays in a awesome band called Dim View keep a fucking eye out on dim view one of the sickest bands i've heard as of late but yeah it's just us three chatting it up uh, we have some special guests coming up this week shout out um, yeah. andrew from payback he's coming back to the podcast uh, ethan's coming back and we got brandon from Wildside coming right. back it, like we have like this whole plan to keep this mma thing going but but i i do a really bad job of promoting because we'll record it i'll <laughs> upload it and i'll be like hey there's a new mma podcast go check it out and that's it but whoever subscribed out there people some pe- people are actually listen to it and we appreciate that so much because we're just we're just super fans people think we're like experts or whatever no we just love the sport we've been watching it for years and we just love to talk about it we're not like you know um we we don't think we know everything we're we're just like we approach it just like we do hardcore like we're constantly trying to learn and we just want to be around people that love the same shit that we do hell yeah like i i know that was random i'm sorry uh but it's a big week for mma right now it's a big month for MMA right now. And, yeah. and I just, I would be remiss if I didn't just mention it. No, quick. dude, I'm telling you, like we have three podcasts this week or not this week, not this week, excuse me, this month, like, uh, for the Calvin Cater, uh, Max Holloway card. Um, it's going to be me, uh, like the, the three normal people, me, Nate and Jeff, but then we're calling on Andrew from payback. He's coming back to, to be the um, yep. special guest for that one. And then for the, um, Michael Chiesa, and Neil Magny fight. Ethan's going to be the special guest. And then for the Conor McGregor, nice. Dustin Poirier 2, we had a call our buddy, our great friend from fucking Canada, Brandon Wildside. He's coming back. And we're just so stoked to just nice. be able to talk about MMA. Do you think Cater has a chance against Holloway? He does, man. Uh, He's got power. Not only that, like, like you got to think about um, when he fought uh, Zabit. It was a three round yeah. fight. And at the end of that third round, Zabib was pretty gassed. If it, if it would have yeah. um, gone to a fourth or even a fifth, Cater would have got him. Like, dude. Yeah, for sure. So now Holloway's got a tank on him, though. Okay. I'm going to be honest. Holloway, uh, and, uh, you know, everybody's probably, uh, you know, surprised that we're talking about MMA, but I fucking love this. Um, Holloway got robbed in that second Volkanovsky fight. I don't care what anybody says. Go back and watch that he fight. He got robbed in both of them. I thought so too. In my opinion. I thought so too. I, I thought Max is 2-0 against Volkanovski, um, but I can see the I, agree. I can see the argument for the first fight. So I'm I'm not mad at that. But when Max ran it back, there was like in my mind, I mean, there's no fucking way he lost this fight, and it, it just it, it just pissed me off because it, it's really tough when you when you go 0 and 2 against the champ. Um, so for you to get back to get a third title fight, it, it's it's rare. It's happened before, but it, it's just super rare. So the way the division is, I'm hoping. Because this is what is like in the works. Nothing is like official yet, but they're trying to book uh, Brian Ortega versus Alex Volkanovski for the title. So, so I'm hoping Brian Ortega is going to get dropped so quick. Oh bro. my, oh my god! 
I, I, I'm not sold on Brian Ortega. He he looked great in his last fight. No, he's fight. not. <laughs> look great. He's not that. Yeah, he looked great in his last fight, but I, I, I'm just not sold on him. Um, he's that guy. He's that guy. He's kind of like, um, I don't know how long you've been in MMA, but when Cub Swanson was on the come up. So Cub Swanson used to be like my favorite fighter because okay. he's so entertaining. Mm-hmm. And he he's that fighter who got up to the highest level but then just never could get over the hump, mm-hmm. you know? And then he ended up becoming like that guy that up and comers have to fight to move on to the next level. I feel like that's Brian Ortega's future. Okay. And, and just to be clear, I, I've been into MMA for a really long time and Cubs watching. Okay. Um, uh, I used to train at his gym out in Indio, California. Really? Yeah. The true I MMA. Love Cubs Swanson, yeah, dude. dude, seeing him come from like WC, WEC to UFC and when, he fought. I I don't know if you remember this fight, but he, he knocked out George Roop and like knocked his fucking mouthpiece mm-hmm. out. And dude, that was seriously so fucking awesome. And yeah, it, it was just like he had like these losses where I'm like, dude, he just made one stupid mistake. Like when he fought Ricardo Lamas and got tapped out, he was winning that fight, but then he just made a dumb mistake and Very got caught. Harsh. And it, it just um it, it always bummed me out because I I'm a huge Cub fan, uh, obviously because he's from where I grew up and I trained at his gym and I even uh, uh, trained with him. He like well, when I trained with him. Uh, like it, it kind of opened my eyes to like how like unskilled I am as a fighter because he he was um in between camps and he had a hurt shoulder so he had um he had his arm like wrapped up like in a, a in a sling and we were doing it was like a, a, we were doing um rolls so we we're practicing jujitsu that day and we we're uh you know rolling and he's like he's like hey I, I, I want to roll with you I'm like all right like let's go and I'm thinking in my mind like okay Cubs a black belt but he has one arm like this is gonna be easy work you know like <laughs> like I got it but uh, just feeling like like a black belt like get on top of you and being able to just put all their weight on you and hold you down it was like the weirdest thing i'm like how the fuck is this even happening yeah. it, it was just so strange but uh but it opened my eyes i'm like dude like like as many street fights or whatever i've been in i was like i really don't know how to fight so it was a very humbling and an awesome experience yeah. to be able to go to like an actual mma gym and learn how to fight absolutely i i've i've rolled with uh colton smith who won the ultimate fighter. I can't, I can't remember what season I want to say 16, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he, he had like a stint in the UFC, but ended up losing a lot, you know, got the boot. Uh, but yeah, he won the ultimate fighter and, and, you know, I, I kind of thought not with the arm thing, but this guy's a lot smaller than me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I'm about to shot the world, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hell <laughs> no. Nah. Yeah, no, it, it it happens because like going into like uh, like going into the, um training, I was like, okay, like I'm definitely gonna just be open minded, and I know that there's people in here who could kick my ass, like like 100. So I'm just gonna be in here. I know I'm not the toughest person in the room, so I'm trying to steal their skills. I want to know what they know so I can um you know apply it to myself and get better. And that's what I did. It, it, it was always fun, except for when I they would always have me uh spar and it, it, it just it was so irritating. They would always have me spar because in my mind, I like, like right now, well, I'm like, uh, I weigh like 180, uh, but I always thought I would fight at 155. So in my mind, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna get up there. I'm gonna beat BJ Penn. I had these weird goals when I used to want to be an MMA fighter. Um, you probably could beat BJ Penn right now. Oh, right now, uh, easy work. <laughs> get BJ Penn on the line. Meet me at the Ruka Gym down in Costa Mesa. We can get it going. But um, uh, so. 
they would have me spar like an actual 155er, but this guy was like way taller than me and like way bigger. And I'd always ask him, like, did you really fight at lightweight? And he's like, yeah, like I just cut a lot of weight. So I was like, all right. So they had me spar this dude and he was so much better than me. And he would like um, get me on the ground and he, he would like punch me, but not like, cause obviously we're sparring. He wouldn't punch me like, you know, hundred percent, but he would like punch me and, I was like, dude, this fucking sucks. And then um, he would just explain to me, he's like, yeah, like we're in these weird positions, but I, I have to hit you to let you know that this is a real situation. So when you actually are in this position, you, you know what to do and what not to do. And I was always so frustrated because I'm like, dude, this guy, like that was his job. He was an, M- an he was an MMA fighter. Like while I was at my yeah. corporate job, he's like, you know, across the street working on his strength and conditioning, which um, which was cool. He, he was um, you know fun to uh, fun to watch. Uh, his name was Blake. And uh, it just, yeah, just opened my eyes. I'm like, but I was always confused. I'm like, why the hell am I sparring this actual fighter? And I'm just some dude trying to make it to the the amateurs. Um, and it was just like such a, a, a good and bad experience just because it, it sucked being beat up every day. But it was fun just learning because you'd be surprised. Yeah. Like, you know, just a normal person who's never set foot in an MMA gym or even done jujitsu. They don't even know how to apply a basic choke or even defend a basic choke. So like, so it, it's insane, but it, but it's definitely something that like, I'm glad I've done. Yeah. Uh, two two days of learning dominant body positions will put you over most people, like <laughs> most like normal people walking the street. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'll, I'll never forget my first day at the gym. Uh, Coach Mike was like, "Hey, show me what you got." And he, he, he had me um, kick a, a heavy bag. He's like, he's like, I want to see what your technique's like. And dude, I, I was throwing the, like my technique was terrible all day one. And he had me kick the, the heavy bag like a hundred times with each leg. And by the time I was done, like my shins were bleeding and I was like, all right, well, this is a perfect way. I'm never going to throw a kick wrong again. Cause this is, this is a moment I'll never forget. But it, it, it was funny. Cause I felt so stupid. Cause you know, going in there, I'd been in, you know, fights or whatever. I'm um, in the street thinking like yeah like I, i've beat up some people I, I'll, I'll be good but no dude i went in there i didn't know shit yeah i've been there <laughs> but going all the way back uh cater does have a shot but i'm putting my money on max holloway because i think yeah for sure yeah, i think sure. um we were robbed of the blessed era i refuse to believe that we're out of it so so until because because you got to look at those performances that max holloway did against volkanovsky he didn't get uh beat up he didn't get uh, tko submitted knocked or anything he 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 just lost a decision and uh, i just feel like he really didn't lose that second one he just got robbed and as good as calvin cater is fact, in that in that second one volkanovsky was beaten up 100 percent. when you you look at the like, end of the fight there's it's a night and day difference and it was just one of those situations where like how the fuck did that guy and i know it's not always about uh you know uh who's uh, wearing it more yeah the, the yeah the, the way they look but it's just like no like go look at go watch that fight again and this is gonna be fired up because i'm gonna go watch it after we get off the line here but it, it's just <laughs> it, it just pisses me off and like calvin cater um I, I think they're out there in new england like calvin cater and rob font they have a lot of good stuff going. You know, Rob Font looked great in his last fight. Fucking beat uh, Marlon Marais, which was insane. Uh, he has a shot, but I don't think he has it. Like, I don't think he has all the tools to beat Max Holloway. Uh, so I'm putting my money on Max. Yeah, for sure. And the other big fight is obviously the Connor fight. Um, just if you want to hit on that real quick before oh, we go back to hardcore. No, we could do it. I'm <laughs> down. I, I fucking love MMA. Um Hold on, my my AirPod just went out. Give me a second. No problem. I got a backup right here. You got. Sorry, I'm making you do editing. Oh, don't worry about it. It's all right. It's just a. I've been using uh, this program for so long. 
I, I know how to do everything that I need to do, if that makes sense. So it's not like, a, it's not a chore. Yeah. Okay. All right. What's up? Okay. You, you wanted to hear my thoughts on uh, Connor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier too? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If, if I'm going to be honest, when I look at this fight on paper, I I'm leaning towards Dustin Poirier. I, I I've been telling like my, my closest friends who I, I watch these fights with, and I just had this feeling Poirier is gonna he's gonna walk away with the the W that night. I feel like that too. Uh, the only thing is my concern with Poirier is he took a lot of damage in his fight with Dan Hooker. True, you know, like uh, that chin can only take so much, you know. Uh, and Connor got him last time. I, I do think, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I still think Connor's the most skilled of the two. Okay. I just think Poirier has, has the heart and the, and, and he can make it dirty enough. Uh, although one thing that I keep seeing people say is, is like, will Poirier take McGregor down? And I don't understand it. Cause I feel like McGregor has a better ground game than Poirier. Yeah, I haven't really been seeing that talk. I'd be surprised if Poirier took the fight down because I think he's going to want redemption from the last fight. And you got to knock him out. And I, I feel like Poirier definitely suffered from cutting too much weight to, to get sucked down to 45. And I feel like he wasn't able to be how he is now because you look at him now, he went up to lightweight. He's only what had like uh, like two losses, one against um, – or there was that weird situation with Eddie Alvarez – and then he lost to um, Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson, but he got that one back. He starched him. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and Khabib. So yeah, it's not a, it's not like he was getting beat by Joe Schmo. It's like high level competition. Uh, but what I like about Poirier is he has filled out like you know his body. Like uh, he, yeah. he lightweights his, his weight class. He looks so good. Um, you know, uh, to be fair, the same exact thing can be said for Connor. Uh, Connor looked mount. He looked super malnourished at one thirty five or one forty five. Oh, hundred percent. When like, when, it, when he sucked down, uh, but uh, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to argue that because you are right about that. They they both sucked down. Um, but what I want to go back to is I think Poirier has been more active, and that's going to be in his favor because obviously uh, McGregor had the one fight against cowboy but that wasn't his choice he, he's been banging the drum he's been wanting to fight it's just the UFC didn't want to book him because he he makes a lot of money for he's the a ticket yeah exactly uh but i think poirier since he's not gonna have to deal with uh you know sucking his body down and uh being drained and having to worry about rehydrating and trying to be healthy i feel like he's way more healthy at, at lightweight and he yeah, definitely for sure. he, he definitely could make 170 you know just like connor because they're not that different in size, but I feel like with Dustin, uh, you know, being who he is now, um, over there at American Top Team, training with Mikey Brown, who I think is an amazing coach, I, I feel like he's he has the skill set now to dominate McGregor. Because when I look at Conor McGregor, I don't feel like he has advanced his skills. Excuse me, his skill set as much. Because you got to think about, um, he's had. Uh, he had to go through the whole boxing with uh, Floyd Mayweather, and then he came back really quick to fight Khabib, lost, 
And then, you know, had to find the love again because he was like, you know, being Mr. Hollywood, found love again, fought Cowboy, which was a, a, definitely a good fight. I, I wish it would have went longer so we could have seen more yeah. more out of Connor to see if he's actually taking his uh, MMA training seriously. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what Connor looks like in this Dustin Poirier fight because you got to think about it. He I feel like he is more riding on the line than Poirier because Connor. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think his career is done if he loses. Because he's not going to have, I mean, could you still book a Conor McGregor fight? Sure. But it's like, it's like, is LeBron ever going to be a, a bench warmer? No. Yeah. You know, like, like, no, he's not going to relegate himself to that. Like Kobe, Kobe retired before he would become a bench warmer. You know, um, that, that's how I see Conor McGregor. Like, there's no way you can go from like seven of the top 10 highest pay-per-views to like, you know, not that, and he he's not going to sell that much if he loses this one. Hundred percent, in my opinion, he his stock will go go down a lot if he loses. But I feel like it, it just depends on how he loses. Because if he gets caught in a submission, like say if he gets caught like in something like you know round one or two, I don't think his stock goes down that much. But if he gets like starched or TKO'd pretty bad, done. that's that's a bad look. Or in a weird situation, if it goes like Dan Hooker, uh, you know, Poirier Hooker, and it's like a crazy war, Conor McGregor loses, his stock could rise just because people could be like, okay, the, the old Conor's back. It's a war. Yeah, it's exactly. A war. Yeah, so. Now, to be fair, in round, I can't, I think it was round five against Nate Diaz too. Like, Conor really picked it back up on him. So, people always talk about uh, Conor's gas tank, but. Uh, that one singular round five, he he really did actually pick it back up a lot on Nate Diaz and and clinch that win. I think he lost that fight. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I watched it and I was surprised that he got the the decision because. In all fairness, I am a Conor McGregor stan. Dude, I no, I'm not even kidding. I love Conor McGregor. I was watching when he fought Dennis Seaver. I was in line for uh, Thunder Mountain at Disneyland. Oh, dude, my friends were freaking out. They're like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm like, you don't understand. This is Conor McGregor. He's fighting. I have to watch this. I don't care that we're at Disneyland. We do this all the time. This guy doesn't fight all the time. This guy's a superstar in the making. You guys don't understand it. Just wait. Absolutely. Yeah. So people like were like upset because I wasn't being social. But I'm like, no, this is this is a moment right here. The fact that like the UFC and promos and stuff, they still use sound bites from Conor McGregor pre Poirier pre Seaver fights mm -hmm. fight buildups, just goes to show like he was just a superstar like that. Like he could sell a fight. Yeah. So, um, the reason why I know about Conor McGregor is because I'm a huge fan of Ariel Helwani. So I've been watching the MMA hour. He loves Conor. Yeah. So I, I've been watching the MMA hour for years. And people yeah. were hounding Errol Hawani to get this dude from Cage Warriors on. He's like the next big thing. And and then once um he got announced to fight Marcus Brimage, I was like, okay, this guy um is finally here. Like, let's see what he does. And then when he put quick work to Marcus Brimage, I was like, okay, like we got to keep an eye on this guy because um because at the time Marcus Brimage was uh you know up there. He was un undefeated in the UFC. Yeah. So I think he went zero and four after that and got kicked <laughs> out. But <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's how it goes. Sometimes you want to be an ultimate fighter. That that's like you know that's part of the game. That can happen. 
Um, but to, to see him to, to be there from his first UFC fight to see him rise. And it was just every fight after that was just this bigger and bigger thing. And when, you know, they went to Ireland, he fought uh, Daniel Brandao and that night was insane with the whole, uh, you know, Irish going like five and oh or whatever. Just, it was, it, it was just insane. So like, I still love Conor McGregor. Um, but when I look at this matchup, I don't want to just ride out Dustin Poirier because I know that, um, he has a real shot at winning. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually favoring Poirier in the matchup, but um, I'm rooting for Connor. Okay. And just because I think Connor is good for the sport. Oh, he changes the sport. He's the reason why so many people make way more money than they do or way more money than they used to. Because when when you're looking at, um, because obviously when you see, um, you know, uh, like releases the, the the fighter's purse. That's not all the money they're making. That's just what they want to release. Um, you weren't seeing you know million dollar purses until fucking Tom Rigger showed up. So he, no. he he's and plus the endorsements too. Dude, he's you look at him. He is the the only person to to get his own company uh, on the mat as an advertisement. Proper twelve, it, insane. Yeah. So he's and then the the Mac life too. He has his own publication. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's break. He's that's where he breaks his news now. Is on, is on his own, um, you know, website and that weird like docu series thing. Um, yeah, but he, like he's a instantly Hall of Fame. I don't care what happens. He could lose every oh, fight, yeah. um, you know, going forward. But uh, there's no way the sport is where it's at today if it wasn't for him. Because you got to look at yeah, they're not they're not going to do him like the NFL did Terrell Owens. Hopefully not. Because well, I, yeah. I saw an interview today, uh, you know, uh, talking about how Dana White and Conor McGregor like repaired their relationship, so things are things should be good. Yeah, I'm stoked for it. But I, I want to ask you, Conor McGregor wins. Where does he go from here? What happens with the lightweight division? Because we're all obviously waiting to hear back from Khabib. But what do you think happens? It's probably the winner of. If Habib doesn't come back, obviously if Habib comes back, it's Habib. Uh, if not, it's going to be the winner of uh, Chandler and uh, Oliveira, which, I mean, honestly, Connor has a good matchup against all of these guys. Uh, I mean, Oliveira is definitely his starkest competition there. But, you know, people always say, like, a wrestler is going to beat Connor, a wrestler is going to beat Connor. But, no. like, every time he fights a wrestler other than Habib, like, he starches him. Yeah, that that Chad Mendes fight was so insane. That was wild. And Connor, I will say Connor was it was second round. Connor was gassed and and still hit the the knockout shot. But and the the extension on that punch every time they show that above angle clip of the the knockout punch mm-hmm. is is the most beautiful punch I've ever seen. Right. Yeah, and to, to to think at that time Chad Mendes team alpha male those guys were uh, that was in their prime when the everybody from that camp yeah. was uh, doing well and Chad Mendes was on I hate come Team up. Alpha Male. Oh, you do? I, <laughs> I, I hate Team Alpha Male. I just hate one person that was on that team, but I loved everybody else. Who, who's the one person you hate? Is it Dillashaw? Fuck yeah, that guy's such a. Dude, like, okay, I, I love Dillashaw. What? Bro. The snake? The snake <laughs> in the grass? That's why I hate you. Oh Yo, no. Dillashaw exposed them, bro. Holy shit. Okay. Yo, did you watch that The Ultimate Fighter? I did. With, with, with Uriah Faber. Dillashaw and Garbrandt? Oh, okay. Or Dillashaw and... Was it Dillashaw and Garbrandt or was it Dillashaw and... Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Garbrandt. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was like... Man. Yo, those Team Alpha Male guys were so douchey, bro. 
I just love just nonstop. I love Uriah Faber. And just Dillashaw though is so much better of a fighter than any of them. Like say say what you want about like the the PED use, whatever. <laughs> He's still just a better fighter than like anyone who's ever been on Team Alpha Male. I think we gotta wait till he comes back to see because He's starching him, bro. Everybody <laughs> Everybody has been saying, like, I, I don't know TJ Dillashaw personally, but there's always been that talk that he's been like, you know, juicing his whole career. And I, I'm a huge Henry Cejudo fan. So when Cejudo put him down, I was like, okay, that's, I couldn't believe that. I was like, but when we find out that TJ popped for, um, what was it? Uh, EPO, I was just like, that's insane. Uh, but to just to find out that, uh, Henry Cejudo um, beat somebody who was uh, juicing. I was like, that's that's even better. But it, it sucks to for him to have to go away. But that that's just part of the punishment. You you cheat. You gotta you know pay for your crimes. But yeah. I want to see what he's like when he comes back. Because he what his his uh, suspension should be up like next week, right? The the end of January. Yeah, he's they're they're trying to get him uh, ready for a fight. I think they want him to fight Jose Aldo. Who. You, you gotta remember tj dillashaw he's the fighter that i feel like cracked the brazilian armor because because that's that when he fought um uh god uh why can't i remember his name former champ um he had to cut his hair because he would have trouble making weight um i'm drawing a blank he was he was with uh, uh jose aldo and those dudes they're all sponsored by that brand praetorian or whatever god why can't i think of his name oh now it's up this is gonna piss me off um, got me lost too. Uh, hold on. And Dana White was like, "This is the best fighter in the world." Till he ran into uh, T.J. Dillashaw, and then um, why am I freaking blanking? Because is it the dude with the kicks? No, the like. Hold on, sorry, this is gonna bug me. Wait, where's uh, I'm sorry, I've got to find my class, and I, I'm gonna hear his name, and it's gonna it's gonna click. Oh, Henan Barrow. God damn it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, but before TJ um, got matched up with Henan Barrow, like the Brazilians were on top. Brazilians were like untouchable. But when TJ Dillashaw showed up and surprised everybody and beat Barrow, because I remember watching that fight thinking, like, okay, Barrow is going to make a uh, quick work of TJ. Like, hopefully it's not too bad because at the time I was a fan of TJ. And as like the rounds kept progressing, you saw him and or TJ and, uh, you know, uh, Ludwig just going over the game plan. And just the tides just started turning. You're like, holy shit, he's actually going to do this. Like, he's making Brow look human. And I feel like yeah. after after that point, um, that whole like Brazilian wave of being unstoppable just kind of halted. Like, there are some still some really good Brazilians, you know, still some Brazilian champs, but they weren't as. But they're not unstoppable. A lot of them are honestly like, and you know, a lot of the trash talk Connor did uh, was along the lines of how they all fight the same and. Uh, basically I, I feel, I feel like their, um, their strategy was just figured out. And now that everybody knows it, like they could still do well. And, and I'm sure there will be future champions, obviously, but they're just not as dominant as they used to be. Yeah. Now we're just stuck trying to figure out this, uh, this Russian puzzle. Cause I feel like those are, that's like the new wave of these like crazy fighters yeah. that are, um, just really hard. To I, I really want Kevin Holland to fight Hamzat and I want Kevin Holland to win. I, I'm, I'm it's not going to happen, but I, that's what I want. I'm surprised they gave 
uh, Kevin Holland, Derek Brunson. Because when I look at that matchup, I see Hall, uh, Kevin Holland walking through Brunson. Because even though Brunson, you think? I think so. Brunson's so. I don't slow. know, dude. Dude, he's so slow. He's so I slow. I don't know, bro. Yeah, he is slow, but man, he got power though. And and he did well. Who did he fight last? He he knocked I, off on, uh, Shabazian that that up and comer. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that undefeated kid. He yeah. was undefeated, right? Yeah, he was like the, but the new wave. Grant, granted, he's trained by literally the worst coach. <laughs> God damn it! Yes. <laughs> I would not want to go to that. Guy. <laughs> yeah. about, uh, what was his name? Edmund. Edmund. Yeah, Edmund Turbadian yeah. or something like is that, that. His name? Yeah, something Some, like something like that. I feel disrespectful now for pronouncing his name wrong. I'm sorry. He's not going to hear this, but, (laughs) but, um, yeah, sorry to make your, uh, hardcore podcast into MMA podcast for some minutes. No need to apologize. I, I love talking about everything that I love. So this is, this is awesome because for, for me, for the longest time, I didn't have anybody to talk to MMA about. So now that I have people, um, who know that I like it and want to talk about it on the podcast, I'm more than willing. So no need to apologize. Love MMA, dude. Okay. Uh, well, still switching it up, not even talking about um, hardcore. You messaged me, and we we're talking about Final Fantasy, which is another thing that I, I love. Know, yeah. And uh, I had no idea you played video games or were into gaming at all. So uh, when you asked me if I just liked Final Fantasy 14 or if I was a fan of the series, I'm a huge fan of Final Fantasy. So I, I'm curious, like, what your gaming background is like. Yeah, so the the first game that I ever like, holy shit, I love this. I am a gamer outside of like Pokemon. Uh, was like Final Fantasy X. Okay, hell yeah. Um, it, yeah, that, and it, it's still my favorite Final Fantasy to this day. Even though I will say that objectively, obviously Final Fantasy VII remake is better. <laughs> like for sure. Like Final Fantasy VII remake is the greatest Final Fantasy of all time objectively speaking yeah um and and i'm sure the uh, sequential installments will continue that trend uh but just the story of final fantasy 10 because when i was uh when i was a kid uh final fantasy 10 and then anime roroni kenshin man they both hit me so emotionally heavy mm-hmm. at the time and you know i thought i was deep you know uh and and that stuff just hit and then final fantasy 10 2 came out and uh it kind of sucked but it wrapped up the story so perfectly in my opinion um that i just had no complaints and that's kind of where it started then i I went back and played older final fantasies after that like final fantasy uh 6 is probably the first one i actually played but final fantasy 10 was the first one that i loved okay yeah i I liked your your assessment. I used to live in this house with my. It was like my like immediate family: my mom, my dad, my sister. But then also in that same house because it was like a big house. Um, we lived with my um, aunt, uncle, and my cousin Alfie. He's like a older brother to me. He's like a like a, he's like a year or two older than me. Um, and he had a a PlayStation. So at the time, I got a sixty four, which I was thankful for my mom got me uh, 64 but I, I should have asked for a playstation so my cousin alfie had a playstation so i would watch him play final fantasy 7 and i remember back then 
seeing like the CGI cutscenes and thinking like, yeah. holy shit, these graphics are insane. <laughs> like just mind blown. Like, and, and just like wondering like, like what is it going to be like when gaming gets to the point where the CGI is the dorm? Like, what is yeah. it? Like, what is it going to be like? Uh, which is funny. Cause we're Final Fantasy of- seven remake, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're here now. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I just remember uh, how, awesome that was it was like my first introduction to like you know a, a turn-based rpg and i'm wait do we lose do we lose you Luke? Oh, hold on sorry uh, yeah somebody tried calling i don't it's all good luke's a very important person so he's getting a phone call during the podcast okay. Are you, you there yeah okay sorry uh somebody tried calling me i know it's all good they they probably heard yeah. you're, you're you're doing the podcast so they want to get some some airtime. <laughs> but um so watching my cousin play Final Fantasy 7, it was just uh just such an eye-opening experience and he obviously let me um have a go at it and it was really fun and for some reason he just stuck with Final Fantasy 7. That was that was his favorite game even to this day it's still his favorite game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I progressed and played Final Fantasy 8, which was cool. I, I think Final Fantasy 8 had the best card game, the Triple Triad, which mm-hmm. which I love think it's such a because it's so simple like obviously if you want to get like super technical and play like something way more complicated you'll play magic the gathering i think that's the best card game ever i, but, I do play magic oh dude okay we can go there <laughs> we can go there in a second too but um uh but final fantasy 8 final fantasy 8 was cool final fantasy 9 great story hated the artwork i don't like the the, the, the mini characters i love the artwork of nine bro oh, really? i hate the artwork of eight okay so Eight was so bad because like graphically it was terrible, but obviously go buy the remastered. It's um or the the yeah, HD. It. <laughs> it's fine, but um I just didn't like just the mini characters. Like I I love like Steiner. I think Steiner's the fucking coolest character in that game. Um the stupid guy with the you know the suit of armor or whatever. But uh I just don't like how they're all small and it just pissed me off. I'm like, so, I, so I take it you did not play Final Fantasy World then? No. Oh, it's so good. But. Final Fantasy getting Final Fantasy 10. Final Fantasy 10 is my favorite Final Fantasy because Oh, cool. Because we're in the same boat. We are in the same boat. And I will argue to my fucking dying grave that that's the best Final Fantasy. I got a PS2. Thank, shout out to my mom. My mom my mom is so down. She she supported my addiction to video games throughout my entire life. She went um well we pre-ordered the the PS2, but on opening day, she went to the mall, the Palm Desert Mall. It's still there. She went to at the time, it was software, etc. She went there, waited in line to get me the PS2 on day one, which I'll never, um, you know, ever like be able to uh, thank her for that because it was just so awesome. It was it was, it was just yeah. mind blowing, just being in the sixth grade, getting a PS2. Um, oh, yeah, that's sick. But getting Final Fantasy X, I, I felt like I could. I was like, oh, cool, this is like mine. I didn't have to borrow my cousin's PlayStation to <laughs> to to play these games or borrow my neighbor Mike Hevlin's uh, PlayStation to to play these games it was my ps2 it was my final fantasy so like i just went all in i remember i went and bought like the strategy guide when that was still a thing before the internet and that was it like i was into it and like time travel like i like i'm always fascinated yep. with anything time travel so if there's like a show or a movie that even if it has just a hint of time travel i'm like all right let me figure this out let me watch just to see how they in- interpret it so um so just to have that i think element. the way that the way that's done in final fantasy 10 is so different yeah and, and so interesting yeah, and then also I'm a sucker for a good love story. So I, exactly, dude. that's why, dude. That's why I said the anime Roni Kenshin. Mm-hmm. 
and the video game Final Fantasy X, bro. They were my childhood. Yeah, uh, and shout out to Roroni Kenshin. That was um, I saw that because of uh, uh, shout out Toonami. I, I was able to catch that yeah. on Toonami. But then I had this friend in high school uh, who let me borrow um, his DVDs because he was a huge Roroni Kenshin fan. He's like, oh, he's like, you like the Toonami stuff? Like, let me give you the DVDs. I'll, I'll show you more. I was like, all right, like I'm, I'm super yeah. down. So, that, that did you watch the Did you watch the OVAs? No, the, like that that start the series and then end the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I never got Dude. Into that ending. My my blanket was was soaked. Okay, <laughs> insane man. I, I'm honestly I I've kind of taken a break from things that are super emotional. I, I just not just but like a, a couple of weeks ago I, I was going through this like K drama and my, mm-hmm. my my friends think I'm crazy, but I was like every episode. That's just like you know, I'm I'm sitting over here just like, why am I so fucking emotional? And like, I I, I would think <laughs> I would think that I was gonna get through the episode fine, but then they they always had these moments where you're like, what the fuck? Like, why is this going on? Yeah. Like, why am I feeling all these emotions? Like, good, like sad and happy. Uh, it, it just depends. But it was like it was so great. But even like afterwards, like it was like I don't know if it was like that that post show depression that people get, but I was just like, fuck, like. I don't know if I want to. I felt like I went through like a breakup, so I was like, I don't know if I want to go through this again. So I've been like taking a break from like super emotional stuff, just kind of staying clear for a while. Yeah, no, I like I, I've always told people that anything that makes me cry, media wise, I'm gonna love it. But uh-huh. it's so weird, and and I, w- I want to tell a story about how I really got into video games. No, let's after go. This. I'm down. But um, but it's so weird because in real life, I have like no emotion at all to anything that happens like it's probably something deeply rooted terribly in me mm-hmm. like that i should probably see somebody about but i'm just i don't know i, I don't get emotional about things but for some reason movies <laughs> video games anime them shits can make me the most emotional human being on earth it's so weird yeah, I, I I totally get it because when you watch like a movie, it kind of like builds up to like that one crazy like emotional moment. But when I was watching yeah. this K drama startup, it was like that was like every fucking episode. It wasn't even like it, it wouldn't even like build up to it. Like it would just either like you know it, it put it everywhere. Like maybe the beginning of the episode or in the middle or even the end. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And like I'd never, and I was tripping out because like, am I just like. Am I just putting myself in this state just to feel something even more? Or is this like something that is actually hitting me like to my core? And I was just like so confused. I was like, I've never felt that way about watching anything. Yeah. No, Scrubs does that to me. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Great but, show. Um, Great show. But yeah, so so going back to video games, uh, I, I think it's pretty interesting how I, because, you know, like I said, you know, I became homeless at like 15 for the first time because uh-huh. um, my parents kicked me out for the first time. Actually, I don't know if I went into a story about that, but I'm not going to get off into all that. But uh, I did grow up really poor outside of ju- just that, you know, so uh-huh. my parents never really bought me like video games and stuff. Uh, but they hated that. I had this friend who lived down the street from me named Joaquin, and he had two Game Boy Colors, uh-huh. right? So he would let me borrow one and Pokemon Blue. Oh, damn. Right? OG, okay. Yeah, yeah, OG, OG. So he would let me borrow one and Pokemon Blue, and my parents hated that because they took it on their pride. Like, like they look like they can't afford to buy me stuff mm-hmm. to Joaquin's parents. I highly doubt Joaquin's parents even noticed or gave a shit. 
Yeah. Um, but that was a hit to my parents' pride, but they still never fucking bought me one. <laughs> so, um, but by the way, shout out my parents. I love my parents. Uh, I mean, my dad's got his issues now, but you know, right. with the political climate. But uh, <laughs> I was going to ask. I was, was going to ask at some point about your relationship with your parents, but I'm glad to hear that it's. it's yeah, no, it's no, I love absolutely love my mom and my dad. We have some issues to work out. It's um, fair, uh, but uh, yeah. So you know, I I would borrow his all the time. They would they would hate it. One day, you know, I was going to school. I'm in like fifth grade, dude. Um, I'm going to school and. So I always took like a fruit by the foot okay. with me uh, as like a morning snack. Cause we would like go to the gym and hang out in the gym until we went to our homeroom class, whatever. Um, so this one morning I was just being a douche. I don't know. I took the whole box of fruit by the foots. I was like, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this later. Fuck it. I took the whole box of fruit by the foots. What does this have to do with video games? I know. Um, so when I get to school, this fucking moron, in my in my class traded me a game boy and pokemon blue for the box of fruit roll-ups wow that's a good trade and <laughs> that's that a is come to up. this day the best hustle i've ever pulled okay <laughs> did you have to give it back hell no oh wow so yeah, you got it. You you traded a a box of fruit roll ups to this. Oh, I'm tripping out. That kid's. How, I wonder how that kid explained that to his parents. Yeah, no, it was wild. And then, uh, oddly enough, uh, later. So that was like fifth grade, seventh grade. I moved like a couple of towns over. So we moved a lot. You know, I moved a couple of towns over and went to a different school. And then that kid came to my school as a new as a new kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom was actually a bus driver at the school, and uh, he was like talking shit about her, and I, I beat the fuck out of him on the, on the bus. So the story goes like full circle, like crazy. First, you hustled him for his Game Boy, and then you had to put him in his place. Because back in the, those younger days, people talking about your mom, you had a you had a fight, you had a you know that was a that, big deal. You had to defend that honor. That's crazy. Because he was like he was like drawing on the back of the he was like drawing my mom on the on the seat of the school bus mm-hmm. you know and he was sitting next to me he didn't know that was my mom he was sitting next to me because he recognized me oh wow <laughs> he, he and i'm like him. dude <laughs> nah yeah but sometimes sometimes people need to get beat up because I, I i i feel like sometimes people think they can just say whatever just be reckless with no consequences yeah. and yeah, I've, I've gotten a few deserving ass whoopings in my life. Yeah, and then it just gives you new perspective. Like, okay, like yeah, I yeah. guess I, yeah, I guess I can't talk shit about that person on a public platform with no consequences. Yeah, I, I got to rethink <laughs> that because because people get reckless sometimes, and um, I think it's good when people get beat up sometimes. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, like I said, I've taken a few. I've given a few. It is what it is. We all learn and we grow. Yeah. But for me, I, I've only wanted to beat somebody up or, or actually fight somebody if they're willing to fight me back. If they were just going to stand there and let me hit them, I just, I'm like, I, I'm not a bully, so that just doesn't seem fair to me. I would much yeah, rather. Yeah, see, I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I would have thought that when I was younger, man. Mm-hmm. I made a lot of mistakes in high school. Like part of the reason I dropped out is because uh, 
I kept getting suspended and expelled from schools for like fighting and stuff. And some of the times like the kids uh, that I was trying to fight, you know, it was, it was really just uh, an instance of me feeling peer pressure from who I thought was my friends at the time telling me, Oh, you know, this guy said this about you. You should beat him up. And then the guy's not even trying to fight me, but I, I'm just not hearing it. You know? Yeah, no, I totally get that. That's that sucks too, but but obviously it's it's cool to know that you were able to grow and learn from that because I think it's really important to understand that people constantly are changing. Like uh, we're not always going to be the same person who we uh, you know were a couple years ago. We all go through life different ways and get these different experiences, and we're able to uh, change and grow sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Absolutely, there's a there's going to be a song on the Satisfied EP named a uh, problem child that's like actually specifically about like that, uh, that um, subject matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the, the main lyrics that, you know, I guess you could say it's a course, but it's not really a course as like perspective shifts have created growth. And I've made changes that I couldn't make alone because like my perspective has grown because of those around me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we're all a product of our environment to some degree. And, and I wouldn't be who I am right now if I hadn't met the friends I've met and, the, and like my wife and, and all my, my friend group in Atlanta hardcore, you know, straight edge, you know, uh, I love it. Yeah, me too, man. I, I appreciate everybody uh, around me, uh, anybody who's willing to take my, you know, phone calls or my texts. I definitely appreciate it. And I, I, I always just try to be, um, you know, true to myself and just be, just try to be a good person. I feel like that's all I can do. And, uh, and I make mistakes too. Uh, I'm not uh, afraid to admit them. I'd much rather be called out for the mistakes that I've made so I could learn from them and be able to grow instead of, you know, just being stuck in my ways. Absolutely. I feel like so much of, so much of today you have to put off like a perfect persona, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to like, everybody sits on like a, like a high ground, (laughs) <laughs> like they've never made a mistake in their life but that's just for the birds if you ask me but it is what it is yeah for, for people to try to pretend like they they are perfect or they've never made a mistake that's complete bullshit because nobody's perfect everybody's yeah. made a mistake or you know uh has had a chance to improve their their life in one way or another so yeah so I, i'm never gonna put on a front i always um stress that when i come on the podcast the way you hear me talk, the things that I say, this is exactly how I am offline. There's no like weird like personality or anything. This is this is me just trying to be honest and just putting myself out there for for everybody because I want these conversations to be heard and to let people know that you know uh, we're all just you know just normal people. We're all hardcore kids who, who love this yeah. shit, and this is why I want to have people on to talk about not only the music but other things we have going on in our lives who you know yeah I, I genuinely think uh if if we were not recording right now we'd be having the exact same conversation 100 percent, because you know we spent a, a decent amount off air before we started recording and it doesn't feel like it, it was any different than what we were doing while we were recording this podcast yeah no i'm, I'm stoked I, I can't wait to uh, listen back on this and hear my stupid voice no, trust me. It'll, it'll, it'll be a fun listen. I have to hear myself every week when I'm, you know, doing uh, the editing afterwards, and it's always it's it's always funny. I I, I still hate hearing myself. It, 
it's just but it's just a part of the, the the podcast process but it's all good you'll you'll enjoy it, it, it it's it's definitely fun uh and I, i'm honestly glad that we we, we did this because obviously before the podcast uh we weren't the you know close or whatever we never we didn't really know each other so i'm you know in leading up to this being able to talk to you and getting to know who you are and now even after the podcast i'm really glad that i had you on because i i think you're you're a good dude and, I, and i'm glad um, you're doing a, a band uh you know not only for atlanta hardcore but you know the other types of bands the um I'm drawing a blank on the uh, satisfied, obviously, but then uh, the other band, um, the other band's name taper fade. You don't really have to remember taper fade. Excuse me. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm just glad that you're out there. Just, um, you know, doing stuff for the scene, putting out music and just uh, trying to keep it going. Cause that, that, that's really important. Cause you think back to those early days when it was just uh, jungle juice and you guys were, you know, uh, wanting more, more than just metalcore. So I, I think it's important for you guys to, to, to be out there and just trying to keep it going. Absolutely. Uh, I love hardcore. I love straight edge. Uh, uh, I'm really thankful to my friends in Atlanta for welcoming me. Um, it was, it didn't get off to a good start actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I came to Atlanta with, a, uh, I guess a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I, I don't know what it was. I, I was, I was moshing way too hard and way too small of rooms, you know? <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, there, there were some issues, but, uh, ultimately we are where we are now and, and I couldn't be more stoked. Hell yeah. Well, Luke, this has been fucking awesome. I definitely want to have you back on when the EPs are to be, when the LP is done so we can talk about that as a whole. Uh, I, I definitely, Absolutely. definitely appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast today, but before we go, is there anything else you want to shout out or plug? Yeah. Uh, obviously I got to shout out strangle you. Uh, you know, like half my band is in that band and they're fucking awesome. They just dropped against your grain, uh, January 4th. And it's, it's awesome. It features, uh, another person out of our friend group, Adam from prime suspect, uh, on it. Very awesome. Their EP is coming out on, uh, LDB, uh, sometime this year. Super excited about that. Um, living in fear from Atlanta just dropped, uh, their LP number two at the, at the end of 20, what year did we just spend? 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's amazing. The, the work that those guys put into that band is absolutely insane. Um, and they're, they're a band that people really need to be listening to. Um, yeah, just shout, shout out those guys and, and, Shout out Jamie Orc podcast. Congratulations on uh, over 200 episodes. Oh, dude. Thank you for being a part of it. Cause now you, you got to think you're, you're in this, this block. Cause I, I like to think of it as like, you know, pre 100, 100, and then now we're in the two hundreds. So I'm, I'm happy to, you know, to have you on as a guest. So now you're, you're part of this history and, and I, I definitely appreciate it. I you know like the music that you're making and I'm stoked to see what you guys do in the future. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to shoot you a link to, uh, at least satisfied. I probably won't send you a link to taper fade cause it's not that good. Cause I play guitar in it. Okay. Um, well, I, I'll probably shoot you a link anyways. But, yeah. Just send it, uh, send it over. Let me be the judge. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> I might like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you having me. Um, it, not, not a lot of people, uh, hear out, uh, those who they're not at least familiar with the name mm-hmm. familiar with to some degree. So I think that's really dope. 
for sure. Like I said, I always say I'm not too cool to talk to anybody on this podcast. For me, if I'm into the music, if I'm like into the art, I want to support it. I want to put it out there. So this is uh, a pleasure of mine. So even though um, you guys might not be the biggest band right now, I'm here to help you guys with whatever platform I have to try to get you out there and, and in front of uh, more eyes and ears. So I, I'm just you know down to do that, try to help you guys out because uh, it, it's awesome for me to see just people starting bands and doing bands and just trying to put on for their for their scene and just doing cool stuff in hardcore so i'm i'm, I'm down and like what you guys are doing so like i said it's my pleasure to be able to have you on the podcast to talk about your bands thank you man really appreciate it all right well seriously this has been fun thank you everybody um who's made it this far into the podcast this has been fucking awesome and i appreciate your guys' support and we'll be back soon thank you <laughs>